Welcome to the Main Deck Podcast. If you like games like Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Pokemon, Dragon Ball Super, Digimon, Flesh and Blood, and many, many more, you're in the right place. For all of our TCG news and content and links to all of our socials, visit www.maindeck.games. Now, on to the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Main Deck Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Green, and today on episode 27 of the Main Deck Podcast, I'm here joined by the lovely and talented Jason Toro. Hey, Dan, how are you doing today? <laughs> lovely and talented is a bit extreme, but you know what? I'll take any superlatives I could get. That's just how I feel about you, buddy. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you on here with us today because I've been meaning to get you on to something here on Main Deck for a long time. Um, we've been we've been friends for a while. We we kind of met during the uh, the old the old Panini Dragon Ball Z oh, era. But when the West was young, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> when the West was young, it's, it's very true. It was a wild West back then of uh, of complete nonsense as Panini was running the show there. Um, mm-hmm. with Dragon Ball Z and, and we have that whole retro community that still to this day, it's like, they never change. It's the same old crazy retro. I don't know. Do yeah. you ever spend any time like chilling on like the Facebook? Oh retro yeah. Community? It's fun to go on retro and we could take probably like 12 hours of the day and just talk about the nonsense <laughs> that is the retro <laughs> Facebook page and what we dealt with and have this Frankenstein's monster of a, a discussion. Uh, but no, I go on there and it's the same set of people saying the same set of things. Um, no tumbleweeds. They always keep it, um, I guess the word's exciting. Yeah, to some. It's, it's a word you can use for it. <laughs> yeah, it's a word you could use that is um, definitely G-rated enough. But yeah, no, it's definitely definitely a, a, a important part of my TCG life, honestly. And uh, where I'm at now with trading card games has a lot to do to my time with uh, Dragon Ball. So it's exciting. Yeah, um, I like I completely feel that way as well. It, it was the uh, it was the game that really like catapulted me into like starting to do a little more, getting more involved in the community a little bit and made me like realize I, I was interested in doing that, you know, more than just like on a on a local level. Um, yeah. And and that's that kind of started all this stuff. And now now we're here today. With you on this podcast, and I should before I just before it gets too late, I want to make sure I mention the topic of the podcast today yeah. is is actually uh, this is our eighth and final look back episode for 2022, where we have taken eight of the most popular TCGs. Um, well, actually, I should just say eight TCGs because I think there would be some argument as to whether or not some of the ones we picked were more or less popular than other ones. But we picked eight of them, uh, the ones that we felt like we could cover, and just went back through 2022 and. Uh, spent hours and hours just talking about how every game has kind of done in 2022. And this one, Jason, you are on here to, uh, in a little bit here, chat with us about that old classic Pokemon TCG. Yeah, it's exciting because, you know, to kind of go in, to touch on that real quick, that's how I got into judging Pokemon was all the stuff I did with Dragon Ball. Eventually it turned into me coming from the player side to be like, oh, I could do this organizer stuff. This isn't so bad. And it kind of put me where I am now within my community and within the game. So it's it's really cool how um, I'm, I'm here today to be able to talk about something. I, I, I really have a lot of fun playing and really have a lot of fun complaining about. 
<laughs> yes, and I think we'll be doing as I this year I got back into Pokemon playing online for a little bit when I was doing some streaming, and uh, I will be right there with you. Uh, I enjoyed it, and I will enjoy complaining about it a little bit here too. So it'll be kind of a fun, fun podcast when we get there. But before we do, since we've just started touching on, um, you know, like your your personal life and everything, why don't we just start at the very beginning, the day you were born? Or actually, okay. let's no, let's let's go ahead That's a fine. little bit from that. It's that we we need to start there. But how about how about TCGs, Jason? Let's let's get a quick brief history of Jason in trading card games for everybody. Oh, neat. So, um. I would guess my first exposure was to, you know, like everybody else was to magic, at least it, mm-hmm. at least in my age group, you know, as I'm pushing the other side of 100, it feels like at times. Yeah. Um, I started playing magic in Ice Age. Uh, we would play in school uh, without the sleeves, bring the decks to the lunchroom or in the choir room and, and, and slam cards together, not knowing what the heck we were doing for the most part. And from there, I played a, a lot of magic throughout middle school and high school. And then when I really got big into card games was the first iteration of Dragon Ball Z. Um way back when score, when we were score yeah Z. with score. Yeah with score yeah. Z. That's when I really got big into it. Um helping out my local scene, running events um right out of high school, fresh faced young, ready to tackle the world. Um I actually I won a regional that needs to be known. I, I did you win did? a regional. Oh yeah I, 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 didn't I know won that. a yeah we we had a regional at Megacon in two thousand and want to say i'd have to go find the little bindery thing you know you remember those little gt binders i have i have them but not because i won a regional i just pretend i'm holding one up i bought it from someone it's right here (laughs) (laughs) and um i got that there i actually you uh, you remember elmer walter yes of course i beat him in top four and then i beat a buddy of ours paul in uh top two with uh orange super 17 with uh, Focus Mastery. Yeah. Uh, Apocalypse Battle to level five to cheese my way to energies that stay on the table doing like 22. Uh, 17's, wasn't 17's gimmick like he got to use all his lower lower correct. personality powers? So you get to level five, you're just like stacked with like yeah, powers. To, to, to give any, but just a real quick kind of idea of what, what Dragon Ball plays like. You have a set of personality powers you could use every turn. Pretend it's like a card in your hand that you could use once a turn in like magic right like once and you get to do it and super 17's level one well he, they had those high techs right like the choose yeah. your own adventure high techs that's what we like to call them <laughs> and then uh, he had one with a blank power up rating and a blank attack so you did the one with that shift for a focused attack so basically i was tutoring discarding a card from my hand to tutor any attack out of my deck for whatever reason playing stuff like uh, Dying Planet so Supreme Kai wouldn't have their discard pile. And yeah, I was basically just playing uh, kind of like Red Deck Wins in Dragon Ball, and it was awesome. And, and it was a great time. And then from there, I've kind of... It, it, yeah, it's my play style, 100%. I, I, I don't try to think, and you'll find that with uh, the, my Pokemon decks when we get there, too. It's the same. Um, I, <laughs> I want you to have to think about how quick you're going to pack your stuff up. Um, and yeah, uh, from there I played uh, I played everything under the sky, the sun, especially a ton of score TCGs, you know, when Yu Yu Hakusho, Inuyasha, you know, stuff like that. Uh, worked in trading card uh, establishments pretty much as part-time jobs my whole life. Even even now, uh, I, I still take my time one day a week at a local card shop, you know, and it's uh, it's been a big part of my formative years and now my adulthood, um, and I... I, I really am, am blessed for everything i've done in trading card games a lot of losing uh but making a lot of friends and connections has been clearly the best part for sure 
Yeah, we talk about this every time this comes up, but it's really it's about that social aspect. It's about getting to meet people. We talk about how like when when we go to events, like we we got actually we had the the honestly the pleasure of having you stay with us at Gen Con this past year, um, <laughs> and it's it was just so all the tournaments we played in. Like I don't even I didn't care about any of that stuff. I went I played a couple rounds, like whatever. It was all about just hanging out with everybody, having fun, cheering the people on who were like actually you know try try harding the whole thing, like trying to do well, like. Like we had a, our our friend Mitch who made um who made second at the at one of the um my hero uh provisional tournaments there and everything. We were like we were all there like cheering him on and everything, but it's it's about the connections, right? They're like that's that's what I love about TCGs. It's the it's everybody just diving headfirst, like being fully ob- like obsessed effectively with something yeah. together, right? That's that's what I enjoy about them. Yeah, and it was definitely not about playing cat in the box. Um, well, that game was pretty sick too, though. <laughs> yeah, but not not gonna lie, I played a ton since then, so we'll have to run that back eventually. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That's what it, that's that's it's all been about. You know, the GenCon trip was great, not because I you know played in an eight man Final Fantasy you know event because uh, we were sweating Mitch and and having a great time, just kind of you know being um, lawful degenerate. I like to put it uh, for a couple days, and it, it was a great experience. And it, that's what I do this all for, and stay in this community for experiences like that. Yeah, I totally agree. However, you did say you played Inuyasha, and you're oh, yeah. the only person I've had so far who also played Inuyasha on here. So, so what do you play? So, um, the thing is about my time, I don't actually even remember like the playing itself. I just oh, remember man. liking the game a lot and having I and I, I think I only played in the first set honestly, and then I got okay. like distracted from something. Like I don't like there's this period of time there where I wasn't really committed to one game. It was like. It was like kind of GT fell off and then I was just like, I would like play a game for a set and then play a game for another set to play another game for another set or something. And like, so I was like, I went through, I was like, I'm playing dual masters now. I'm playing, I'm playing, uh, uh, I'm, I'm even my timeline wrong. I don't remember. I'm playing Inuyasha now for a little bit. Um, you know, just whatever. Like, so I don't remember that, but I do remember, I just really liked the mechanics of the game. What's, what's your take on it as someone who probably remembers more of the game than me? So at the time, I was running trading card events for Dragon Ball, this little shop called The Dugout, which is since closed, but um, down here. And basically, whatever I would want to commit my resources to in time, they would carry. So since we were big into score games, you know, they did Yu Yu Hakusho and everything else. So Inuyasha, um, I thought it was a lot of fun. I played uh, Three's Company, which was, you know, uh, Ren, Shishomaru, that whole the, it was basically all three of them when you had when you had all three of them, it was kind of like a Voltron style deck where you, uh, your Shishomaru was basically just, you know, unbeatable I played Wolves because I, I that was, you know, Kogo was my favorite character, but we're not going to talk about me actually liking the anime, we're just talking about me enjoying the trading card game <laughs> and um, it was a lot of fun but we mostly played it because we got kind of caught up into Score Mania, because at the time they were on like product overload we had Bleach we had Inuyasha, we had um, Yu Yu Hakusho, which of the three, Yu Yu Hakusho is still by far the most fun I've ever had playing a game. Uh, and, uh, the, it was very unique, I would yeah, say. Yeah, that, we, we talked about this in a, in a previous episode of The Look Back. Uh, we talked about how I missed Yu Yu Hakusho because I didn't, I hadn't watched the anime at that time, uh, so I just like didn't, I didn't get it. Um, but I wish I had been in on it. And anyone else in the audience who has been listening to all the look back episodes probably is also screaming, is Dan going to bring up Case Close TCG again? Uh, well, <laughs> it's funny because I just was figuring out what OVAs I haven't watched a Case Close the other day. 
because I'm slowly <laughs> like working my way through a backlog of anime. You know, I'm a work in progress as a human being. Um, I didn't even know there was a TCG. So you really? just said that. Yeah. Well, no, actually, I don't know why I said that in a surprise tone. Yeah, there was. And nobody oh, okay. knew about it. <laughs> well, it, 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 it count me in. Um, I, I really wish you would have exposed yourself and played Yu Yu Hakusho. Because, I mean, there, if, it, I'm, I'm assuming by now you've watched Yu Yu Hakusho in some sort of capacity. We so at this point now we watched the the full kind of first season and we started getting into the second one and then the, I remember what happened I think I brought this up in a previous episode and I couldn't remember why we stopped we we started moving uh, houses oh, okay. at one That's point fair. so like we were watching for a little bit and then we were like oops we got to do this and then we just never went back to it well you should and yeah um, no, yes I'll, I want to and I don't know if you ever got to the part with the territory guys with uh, Genkai's new pupils anyway. The point I'm trying to make, in the game, there was a character that you could black out a word every turn, and, and neither of you could say it in the trading card game. Oh, so I literally so <laughs> I literally scanned my way to winning that pre-release by having my opponent read their card effect to me, because I feigned I couldn't read the card. So their oh character took two points of damage, so it was like you versus XYZ character, you beat that character or lost, you went to your next character, kind of like how the Dark Tournament was in the show. And I was like, oh, what does your, your um, Tagoro do? And he's like, she reads it off. And it was a player's mom. So that was the worst part. <laughs> it was like this nine-year-old kid. His mom just did had no idea what I was doing. I was like, oh, yeah, you take two points and, and you lose the round and I win. And I got a sweet Team Tagoro shirt for it that didn't fit. But anyway, play, uh, old score TCGs. What a great time. Seriously, though. that Okay, so that reminds me now. When, when Panini was announced, this was this was a... A big moment for me. I don't know how like you reacted to the whole thing. I caught the announcement in 20, 2014, early 2014 or something when they said it's coming back and they had that picture of Super Saiyan Goku level four and everything. Um, I I immediately like called up the gang and told everybody and I, I went to the shop and I started putting up posters and I grabbed all my old scorecards and I set up all these all these like learn to play events playing with like just whatever like scores you. I'm like, it's going to be kind of like this guys. We got to play this. <laughs> uh, I went and printed that poster screenshot from Facebook legally at a FedEx nearby on, <laughs> in one of the own kiosks. So we could bring it to our card shop and all the same people that, pl that I played pansy with played back then. All the people that you, that we have met uh, from the Florida community all played back then. And it was, it was nuts. It was like, it, the second coming it was insane uh we were so excited and so hype a lot of it was nostalgia and then a lot of it was just like shock honestly like are you what like shock it's was just, what it was for me too like i it, didn't expect stunning why why would that ever why would that ever happen but it, did. Yeah, what, what, it, it happened just for us you know that's how i like to look at it it kind of it kind of felt that way, and then when Panini took the reins of everything, they um, the unfortunate thing is just that like, and, and I don't think that this certainly never is like the fault of like the developers of the game because like Ake and and Richie and crew were like the super passionate about just like this like it was purely just like a passion project. They're like we have an excuse to do this, we have a way to get it in. Let's like try and bring it back. Um, but it's always been like Panini not necessarily caring about their like tcg division or whatever and and uh and so like it just didn't get like the advertisement and stuff that it really needed like i honestly here's what's amazing to me that game had as many players as it did given that there was 
never like a YouTube ad. There, there was never, I've never, never anything uh, boosted on Facebook or anything, no social media, anything. They, one time, I think they had an ICV2 ad. Actually, that might've been for Metacross. I don't even know it if they did been. that. <laughs> yeah. And what's crazy about all of that is the IP you have, right? You have Dragon Ball, you have Goku, you have like yeah. the king of a lot of our generation's childhood. And even people now, younger people and stuff like well, younger people, you know, like I'm speaking like I'm 500. But seriously, that we, we had all that, but yet you had to go on Facebook to even see anything about it to a link to a WordPress. Like, really? When you could just be like, <laughs> Why don't we just put the money, money and backing into it? Like, it was, and we were still having, you know, these large events that were almost grassroots in a sense. Yeah. Um, that were built on um, a, you know, a Richie and the development team's passion, a hundred percent. You could tell they cared about what they were doing, and they just didn't have that push from behind. And then the community, people like us, honestly, and other community leaders, and still community leaders to this day that are that are running essentially what is a, a, a dead card game, but only dead, you know, in in terms of uh, actual production, not dead in terms of people playing it, enjoying it. Yeah, like grassroots is really what it it felt like the whole time it was just kind of and i mean like to the the nice thing about that was that it did kind of allow people like you and me to <laughs> to like get somewhere in it you know like be like like start judging at a at a fairly high level because i mean i guess i guess just the the silver lining of that whole thing was that there weren't you know 10 million people jumping into the game and and um I, I, cause I wouldn't have had the time to, I think, to compete with some other people who really wanted to be like answering all the judge questions. Even I, I, I was on Facebook as much as I could, but I guess like, I'm just saying like, if the, if the community was that much bigger, there would have been more questions. There would have been more people, you know, like try hard judging there. And I don't even know if I would have gotten to where I wanted to be. So like, there was sort of like a, a slight blessing for me, but I still would have rather had the game just take off, you know, than anything for, else. For, for me. Uh, because for for people who may listen in the past, Dan, myself, and a couple others were like the weapons triangle and fire emblem. We were like the three, you know, judges. We were like the secret ruling cabal in a sense, but we weren't, <laughs> you know. And, well, and, and I, I want to actually it was kind of like that. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize it was kind of like Calvin Ball with some of this stuff, yeah, where we were just totally making, <laughs> we were just making it up as we go, and then it just was, be like, "All right, Richie, does does this do that?" And then he'd be like, "No." And we're like, "Oh." Well, okay, sure. It doesn't do that, even though intuitively it would. Um, it, would it would sometimes be like there was there was this there was this like Facebook messenger thread that would that existed, and anytime I saw that going off, I was like, "Oh God, what's happening now?" And you'd go and it'd be like Richie, you, me, and James Statmiller were the main ones in there, and uh, someone would post a question, and be like, "So with card A and card you know Z that was revealed here now." that doesn't actually work. This wording's wrong. Does that mean this is supposed to do this and something? And, and we'd have to like all suddenly like sit there and like try and figure out how to actually interpret the rules now to make this like either to one, make it work the way that it was intended to work or two, be like, well, okay, I guess card a is just different now. <laughs> and, yeah. Like, have to figure that out. And, and, and to that end too, um, we were trusted with a lot of decision-making outside. I think the scope that we expected in a sense. Yeah. I agree and, with that. 
<laughs> and it would become a game of, all right, let's tag Dan on Facebook. Oh, Dan answered it. Well, let's tag Jason. Or let's just tag Jason, and then James would answer. And eventually, we'd all three of us would have sometimes a different answer to the same question <laughs> and then have to have like a come-to-Jesus moment and figure out what we were talking about. But yeah. it, it, was, it, was such a, it was such a fun time. It really was. Yeah, it, like I wouldn't trade that for the world. It was just like a... <laughs> <laughs> it's it was an unforgettable memory of of a time in my life where the most important thing in the world was figuring out how how to interpret the rules for Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> you know, if 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 a uh, black dan- dance ball could stop Krillin's destructo disc, if you can answer that, you know, you you, you, you we got it all figured out. It uh, it's parenthetical text, man. It's, it's parenthetical text. Matter. It what does matter? matter. <laughs> retro retro has to watch us now, and we have to say that we talked about. Black Dance Ball and Krillin's Destructo Disc. Talking about this here was just my excuse to be able to legally link it in the retro. Yeah, game. now we, by yes. law, we're allowed to. So <laughs> we got we got that reach now. You're welcome. <laughs> oh man! So Jason, after after the the sadness of uh, Bandai just deciding they wanted to like actually make money with the Dragon Ball <laughs> <laughs> license, <laughs> um, what did you do after that? How 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 did you cope? following that um, kind of just like a big montage of walking down the side of the road like the incredible hulk with the, the music incredible and everything. hulk scene yeah yep, the, yep. the lonely hulk music no honestly um i kind of drifted back to magic pretty hard um for a while there um having a lot of fun um with that had a lot of fun with that um and that really yeah magic and i kind of have this love-hate relationship i love to hate it um, fair. I, I, I really enjoy it. Don't get me wrong, but I don't, I have a lot I could say about local magic communities versus online magic communities and especially my area. And, and it's not to disparage anybody. I just think I've crept outside of some of that scene, especially some of the more edge lordy people and stuff like that. I don't deal with that, especially locally. That's, that's not my thing anymore. So in turn, it's kind of turned me away from magic in a sense. Um, uh, but, uh, really after Dragon Ball, it was a lot of magic, and then uh, I started working a lot at my local shop, and that's when I got into Pokemon pretty hard, becoming a professor, going through the process there to really get a Pokemon scene on this side of uh, our community out in Florida. Um, here in Pinellas, um, we have Pinellas, we have Tampa. Everyone, like Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know what Tampa is. On the other side of the bridge is where I am, and it's really uh, – trading card communities on this side of the bridge – we're not very big into Pokemon, stuff like that. So we had a real big, well, if we wanted to go play or if my local community would play in a sanctioned event, they had to drive 45 minutes to an hour. So I took that with the kind of um, mentality I have with community in mind and how um, enjoying building the Dragon Ball community, being a part of that, I wanted to build a community locally. So that's really where I spent a lot of my time with uh, that. And now I'm doing that and playing a ton of Final Fantasy trading card game, like way too much a lot that's awesome i'm i we talked about this we talked about I, I okay so when i was when i was setting up these podcasts this is what i'm trying to say when i was setting up these look back podcasts i was so close to pegging you for our final fantasy podcast because i knew you'd been playing a lot of it um but then i really wanted to get uh on on the draw games on here because i, I knew he was a fun guy to to talk to as well so um but yeah i mean I, I would love to hear a little bit just about your your take on final fantasy right now so first off, shout outs to Gabe. Love that guy. Yes. Um, met him a handful of times. Every uh, met him at GenCon. He was at the event, and he was he donated a ton of extra prize support. A great guy to talk to. Saw him at the RV event, RVA event a couple months back, where I drove twelve and a half hours to. I'm not doing that again. Um, 
but but you know it it, it uh but uh my experience with final fantasy trading card game has been nothing but positive um great community um played it from the beginning actually got my first box at um when did i get my first box it was at the GenCon you and i judged together okay yeah, uh, yeah when yeah. brawley versus brawley finals that yes. was riveting stuff um <laughs> <laughs> and i got my first box there and it was me and uh um alec uh bearded collectibles if you remember alec yes. he got me my first box and from there i was like oh man ip i love and uh a game that played like magic honestly i was like oh my god seriously this plays like magic and from there i was hooked COVID happened our scene blew up down here and in the wrong way way, absolutely um it was pretty strong in our area and in the tampa bay area and then COVID happened and unfortunately obviously you know things changed in general we uh for everybody's safety you know in in a lot in my opinion and a lot of others um we you know had to stop those things and uh now that everything you know is coming back to normal in a safe way it's nice to have built that community back up and i have met a bunch of new players locally and some old friends from 20 plus years ago who stumbled into it that i met from when i worked at my previous card shop outside of high school so now i met a guy you know my buddy ike and i haven't you know shoot i didn't see him up to that point up to maybe 15 16 years prior now we see each other every week playing this game and it's it's a ton of fun uh i highly encourage anybody who um a likes those kind of rpgs to check it out um especially if you like final fantasy 11 jpegs that they just put on a card um they really like doing that <laughs> final <laughs> fantasy 11 ones are some of the best they're um, just they're just so like you can uh, tell mean, they're just like early 2000s, like like whatever terrible yeah. computer graphics. Yeah. It, it reminds me of, you know, the meme with you're the most handsome guy here with yes. Squall. I wish that was a card. I know. <laughs> just the close-up of his face. I'm such a huge Final ball. Fantasy VIII fan, too. Oh, I would like, that's I would why I said them. it. That's why I said it. I figured, you. you know, that would pop you. But, um, you know, um, it's a great game, um, great community, and we're finally starting to get our organized play back together and going hopefully next year. So a lot to look forward to with a, a, a very welcome and a welcoming and open committee that I'm a part of. Um, in the organizer sense, you know, I helped run events in Florida, helped run the re-raise down in um, Orlando or up up in Orlando this year. And uh, yeah, it's just a great community, great game, and a lot of promise in the future for it, for what it looks like. One thing that I've been thinking about a lot um, is, is how it these it feels very different today in this in this era of tcgs that we're in in a way that i think i i don't know it's just not always very apparent to me i'm never i'm never thinking about it because there's all there's so many tcgs running in the background that i just like i forget to think about that final fantasy's already had like 16 17 sets or something at this point we just had 18 18, so, yeah. 18 cents. Have, That's right. Yeah. I, I couldn't get the, I, I kept trying to correct Gabe in the podcast. And I got the number wrong. So I want to just leave it to you there basically. But um, it, you know, back in the day, back in the day when we were playing these like score TCGs, right? Like how many, how many sets did any of those ever make before they got canned? You know, like case closed, I think maybe, maybe had a second set. I can't remember for sure. <laughs> it might, yeah, might have. Um, they, they Inuyasha had like six, probably maybe? I tapped out around set three. Okay. Yeah. It was like, I, I feel like it got to around five or six or seven or something. Um, GT like, you know, it was, it was a continuation of score, but that, that could only make it 
four sets and the fourth one if you have any packs that is like crazy valuable <laughs> um and with the fifth one planned but just got canned or whatever like i i guess that but but now we have today we have final fantasy 18 sets dragon ball super uh I don't know the infinity sets at this. I can't remember the number we talked about in the podcast, but like infinity sets at this point, uh, we have UFS, which is universes, which is my hero academia. That's had a billion and a half sets at this point too. We have, I've just feel like everyone talks about the big three for good reason, right? Magic, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, they are, they are eternal games. They're just, they're always running. They're always releasing sets. They've had the largest audience period, but like, I feel like, I feel like the, when I, I don't feel so bad at all about like telling people to go check out smaller card games now, because like they don't even seem to be dying as often as they used to, you know, it seems like a lot of them have the ability to, to stick around, um, a lot more than they used to. Yeah. And I think that's credit to finding content from any crevice and crack as possible and not being afraid to revisit stuff. Cause if you think about Dragon Ball, right, everything went chronologically in a sense. Mm. And what what bugged me about that is, okay, well, we did that, and, and now they're not going to go back to it. Like, why would you not go back to that well, in a sense? And I think a lot of the newer card games are not afraid to, A, revisit old content, so, um, or even uh, rehash old content, to detriment, uh, which is, you know, a whole other conversation in terms of... Uh, vomiting out product in a sense and stuff like yeah. that um but yeah it's it's to the credit of the developers and the content they're using especially for these newer games like if you look at universes right yes right now it's my hero academia but ufs was built on all these ips you know back when i played it way back in the day i played it because samurai showdown was you know one of the prominent sets mm -hmm. and king of fighters and stuff like that there was always something to tap into that well and meld it together and i think a lot of these modern games that are out right now have found a way to continue that longevity and make product and, and meaningful cards that keep people interested even you know six seven years down the line for some of these newer games you know final fantasy i think now is almost seven years old yeah which is insane to think about, but you know, um, it, it's it, between chapters in uh, you know overseas, and then it coming here. It, it's it, it's a credit to a the kind of people that play these games, and b to the uh, creators putting out content and meaningful content still to this day. It also it also I think is affected by how um, how interconnected we are now with, with the internet and social media and, and everything, how it's, it's so much easier to get into a game than it like, it's just easier to find a game than it was. You can order it online. We're like, we talk about back then. It's like, you got to go to your local shop, be like, Hey, I want to play case closed TCG. Can you order it in? And they go, okay. And they order it in. And then you go and you buy the starter and you go cool. And then you sit there and wait for someone else to come in and be like, I want to play case closed TCG. Right. Um, whereas like today it's like, okay, well I'm going to go to Facebook and I'm going to join the case closed TCG group. And now I'm chatting with all these people and like, Oh, they're ordering online. So I'll go, you know, I'll go to that site and I'll order this. And then we have now after COVID too, we especially have like lots of online play options for, uh, for TCG. So it's so much easier just to like engage in every way with the hobby where it, I think that helps people. I help, I think it helps that like core base of players stay there that, make sure that printing sets is still profitable for companies. And I, I think we like, we're still going to see them die. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, it's like, there's still going to be ones that, that fade away. And then we're especially in the age of Kickstarter TCGs now where like, you got to be real careful with, with, um, you know, some of those 
fade before they even get you know, make the the print run of the first set and some of them will fade quickly and some of them will will linger on and some of them will become big and uh, but you that's where it's like really a lot riskier but i feel like any of these like established tcgs at this point are much lower risk to get into because they sort of just have they have that core player base who's able to link in with each other in a way that we you, we could only dream of back then yeah, could you imagine a 16-year-old me with, like, access to Amazon and a credit card? No. I would have had every, you know, I would have every victorious drill. I would have had everything. I would have had it all. I would have every dumb Saiyan Saga Dream Battle foil rare that would have been out there, you know? <laughs> Just every little stupid thing that I take for granted now that I, I do not buy because, you know, I am I have sensibilities, sure. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's, it goes to ease of access, just like you said, and... Um, ease of that uh, getting into those communities there's it's just as easy as opening up facebook and typing in the name of the game or not facebook i'm sorry youtube and or even facebook and type oh, yeah. in the name of the game and now you have videos thousands of people or hundreds of people talking about it and, and now all of a sudden boom you're in you at least have a foot in the door to uh, all these games out there and that's i think oh kind of like you said a large large part of why um these games have such longevity now and one of the, honestly, the, these days when I'm looking at whether or not I think a TCG is going to go under anytime soon, one of the first things I'm looking at is actually how big is the publisher publishing it? And the bigger they are, the more afraid I am for a game that it has a small player base, right? Cause that's, I've talked about this a few times too, but it's like, it's, it's just, it's when Hasbro puts out, or, you know, Wizard of the Coast under Hasbro puts out like Transformers TCG. If that's not hitting magic numbers then they're then they're looking like well we should probably just you know put more money into magic then and that's how that kind of stuff gets canned whereas when you have these just like smaller companies like like you know um hobby japan is just publishing you know final fantasy and like they i don't think they require the same numbers that that even like bandai does um necessarily to be able to consider their game successful and keep it running and i think that's a that's a very nice thing too I agree, and uh, we all actually locally got a little scared when Final Fantasy started canceling stuff like First Soldier and Record Keeper and stuff. We kind of clenched up a little bit, but yeah. then we realized like our footprint through Hobby Japan because it is a smaller avenue and it's kind of not less resources, but you know less resources actually being put into it. I, I think they're happy with getting that footprint out there and product out there, and they're not looking at this big impact, which is thankful for us because it is through just Hobby Japan, and that's their sole focus. Yeah. So I, I definitely agree with your call to call to action to go look into Final Fantasy, look into look into any like don't be afraid of games just because they aren't magic Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh these days. Please. Really, really don't think that. I think I think it's hard to it's one of those things where it's just ingrained in you. Right. If you're if you've been a longtime TCG player, you're like, yep, yep. TCGs die. They all they all just die eventually. Like, but like, sure. But yeah, so do we. So, like you know, like whatever. Um, but I think it's time to like revisit that that sort of heuristic in your head a little bit and, and be like, well, actually, I think it's easier for them to last now, uh, at least longer than they used to. Um, and in, in what we're seeing, like quite a bit longer, because even even though it's been like 18 sets and like COVID aside, Final Fantasy, which had its impact, but like the recovery now after COVID is looking like Final Fantasy is still just like growing everything, everything I hear from everyone is like new players coming in. Everyone's interested. They're just waiting to get like a big OP schedule coming next year. Um, and, and it, it seems like what, you know, if it didn't die from COVID, <laughs> what's actually going to be required to kill it. 
Yeah. Um, just don't come into it expecting a great Final Fantasy VIII deck. I'm sorry, Dan. <sighs> I know that's, it's. Yeah, that's, that's I thought the seed candidates and uh, or I thought the disciplinary community would would maybe push it over, but unfortunately, it's it's just not great. I'm sorry. They're fun that, though. They're a lot of fun to play. You got that cool full art, Zell, right? Yeah. It's a cool-looking full art. You're absolutely right. Oh, no, he's cool bad. Looking he's, okay, so, like, okay, so, real, I don't want to segue too deep into it, but, like, okay, if you have a maximum five-card hand, draw two cards at the start of my turn, I now have seven cards in my hand, right? I attack with Zell. His ability is discard two cards from your hand, give him 3,000 power. So if I want to commit two cards on my hand to give him, make him a 10,000 power forward to maybe ping something for 8k that's that's for the way final fantasy plays right now as way too steep of a cost to entry it needs to be like discard one and he or maybe he's a four drop 8k instead of a four drop 7k but that's just what he looks great looks stunning looks wonderful it, i love zell i'm a big mark for zell he's probably my <laughs> second favorite character from that game yeah he's um that that just from from what I know from TCGs in general, as soon as you said you discard two cards to give him plus three K power like this, and like from the numbers I've seen five days, like that sounds terrible. <laughs> the like cost this. entry isn't there, but we have great cards like a million copies of Squall. You know, if you like Squall, and uh, we just got an insane selfie card, which is cool. So um, there are characters that are doing very well from themselves from the game, just not an, an archetype yet. Sure. Do they have a Do they have a Zell that accurately mimics how you actually played him in the game by just Limit breaking him and then punch rush booyah in combo over and over as fast as you can. Well, I thought every character was just hitting square or hitting circle until limit. Until came limit up. break. Yeah, because you never press attack. Like I would always just hit circle until. Yeah, well, oh, I, hey, I don't even know what that cool. attack thing does. It's just once no, it says I'm limit, sh- I know I can attack. <laughs> yeah, I know I could do something. You know, I could shoot them with AP ammo. You know, stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, you know, but yeah, it, it's just unfortunately not a good archetype. But the game is great. The community is even better. Um, and I strongly, and that goes for any TCG. If you are are Take this as kind of some advice from somebody who's played infinite games and is not afraid to play infinite games. Um, don't be afraid to get out there, look at something new that interests you. You'll be surprised the amount of people that are willing to help new players and the amount of resources out there to get you into a game. So you could be the one person at your card shop. Hey, I would like to demo this game with you. Hey, um, would you like to learn this? Host a demo night. Get yourself out there. You'll be surprised how much your LGSs will actually help you with that, too, because Mm -hmm. they want new people in their stores. They want people enjoying their game and bringing revenue to their stores. And most of all, just having a great time. And that's at the end of the day. It's why we do all this. It's it's just really fun. I I love smaller card games, especially because it's it's the problem with Magic and Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! is that to break into that and like, and like, you know, perform and, and hit a high level and do any of that stuff is just, it's crazy difficult. You have to have all, you have to have a a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of sweat and a lot of luck in order to like become a like pro magic player or anything now. Um, which if that's your one goal in life, that's awesome. Like I go for it. I hope you get there. But if you want to become a pro like my hero academia or pro final fantasy, like you're not going to hit obviously the, the reward is not quite there as much as it is for magic. Um, although I'm sure some people would debate if it's even really there for magic right now. Yeah. Uh, But, but you're, you're, you will still be able to be on top of the world and it's a lot easier. It's like way easier. There's a smaller, a smaller pool of competition. And, and honestly, then that whole community thing you mentioned, you'll meet so many awesome people who are just there. Like, 
loving playing that game and you'll find games that you like, I hear a lot of people who like they try magic and then they, you were talking about this earlier, like, you know, it's just not working for them. Community wise, maybe isn't great. Or like, they're just getting annoyed by the, by the land system or something. They're mechanics that don't jive with them. There are games you can play that might just hit those, you know, hit those things better in your brain, fire more pistons for you. If you, okay, you don't like lands, try final fantasy. That's, that's got a totally different resource system, but it plays a lot like magic in a lot of the same ways, but it's, it's got it's all its own little like tweaks in there or try battle spirit saga when it comes out later this year or play dragon ball super. Try that one. That's got, that's got all your cards in your hand can become your lands. Then you're playing all your other stuff. There's like, there's a lot of games out there that are a lot of fun and just more people need to play more of them. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Definitely don't be afraid of barrier of entry for a lot of these games. A lot of these games we talked about, you can get in super cheap. Yes. And like uh, most of the competitive, uh, one of the competitive decks in Final Fantasy just comes from a starter with upgrades. And um, they, you know, it all it takes is a deck, to, an idea to go with from there and get connected with the community and you can get everything you need for your deck and just have a good time and enjoy yourself. 100%. So speaking of getting into small card games, let's talk about how Pokemon's been this year. Which is yeah. The complete opposite side of the spectrum. Uh, Pokemon in 2022. So 2022 was a, um, it was a year for Pokemon. It, I mean, there were, there were a number of sets that came out. I know that's not much of a statement, but uh, it started the year off with Brilliant Stars and had then Astro Radiance. Pokemon Go finally had an actual set in Pokemon, which was like a pretty, like something that's been like, there've been Chinese knockoffs of Pokemon <laughs> Go packs for like literally a, like since Pokemon Go came out. Um, but now there's actually officially a Pokemon Go set that released, then followed up with Lost Origin and Silver Tempest. So we had, we had a... Um, actually, honestly, a very refreshing, just five sets, five ex- booster sets to see for a major, like for a big three card game. If you look at Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh, it's like, <laughs> that's like, that was their January. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and no special commemorative boxes with new cards you couldn't get and stuff like that. No, just just five sets and then their, ter- their, their product, like the GX boxes and stuff like that. We did also have the, um, we had the Ultrazard collection this year, which was... Yes. You know, Ooh, I, I want to talk about itself. that. Yeah, I definitely want to talk point. about that. Yeah, That's for sure. A, that was an interesting yeah. thing. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, the product cycle this year has been very, very good, very refreshing, and it's been. I, I honestly, overall, I'm really happy with the sets we got this year for the most part. That's yeah. So let's. I mean, I don't know if you have any other way you want to go. So I think let's just talk about the sets, and then we'll go to like noteworthy events and and pro- product releases, other things, stuff like that. Um, but like just starting with brilliant stars at the beginning of the year, um, this, this was actually, so, and just so everyone knows too, I think I mentioned this beginning, but I actually do finally have some Pokemon experience to lean on here. It's been many, many years, but this year I got back into playing it online with streaming. So I actually will have, unlike some of these other podcasts, I will have actual opinions to put in here. Um, and brilliant stars, uh, was actually a really, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jason, a really good set, I think. Uh, well, it just based on Arceus alone, it, the, the, it's insanity to be honest with you. What RCS V-Star did to the game in a small vacuum was insane, like in terms of deck building, right? Like- yeah, RCS V-Star provide, created this this colorless V-Star Pokemon. You can actually, Brilliant Stars in, in created the V-Star mechanic, by the way, like which is the, which is the remake of the G... No, the... What was it? What was the, the one no, in Sun and Moon? You're, you're right, GX. Yeah, GX, yeah. yeah, the GX mechanic. Okay, okay. So the earlier Pokemon stuff, I'm going to need to rely on you for making sure I'm naming things correctly. But um, so it was a, it's a once per game power that you can use. 
Um, and Arceus V-Star was in particular a colorless V-Star Pokemon that gave, had a basic, its basic attack, Trinity Nova, just allowed you to fill other Pokemon on your bench with energy. And then the V-Star power on, on Arceus V-Star allowed you to just tutor cards. Any two. Yep. Um, and what <laughs> I, I think some people might look at that and think that was, that's like a, uh, I don't know. It, I could see people making the argument that that is just a, a not an interesting card because it just kind of does everything a deck needs to do. And I don't disagree with you. However, I think it's really cool to just have this, like, if there's a Pokemon you're trying to make work, just slam in an Arceus engine and it's like, gives it the energy, gets the cards I need, like sets it all up. Like it just kind of does everything. So that like, that does make any of your decks just kind of like function on a basic level, which is nice. Exactly. So, and, and not to jump too far ahead, but that's, you know, that's how worlds was a, a format. Look, look what won masters, you know, flying Pikachu and, and, why, and why did it get there? You know, because uh, uh, Arceus we were, and because Pikachu is really good. Well, yeah, well, it was also <laughs> an excellent meta call. Yes. <laughs> but but Arceus enabled that. With that without Arceus, we would have not had that archetype the way it was. And Arce what what Arceus V Star did is it allowed a lot of not necessarily unviable cards. They were not unviable, but maybe a little slow. Uh, especially one of my players locally um, was big on Charizard V Max. Mm -hmm. And once we got Arceus V Star, that kind of like got that ball rolling on that deck and, and made it actually a thing. Um, with Charizard um, VMAX, and then eventually we got Charizard V-Star, which even brought that up more just in terms of uh, the damage threshold you had and access to. Also, we had other support, like uh, supporter cards at the time and stadiums and stuff to help out, such as uh, Magma Basin and stuff. But ultimately, Arceus is what brought that kind of, oh, I can play XYZ card to the forefront versus, okay, I'm playing Fusion Strike Mew, I'm playing 4 Genesec, four, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like these much more bread and butter and where your your meta calls were just your trainer suites and items versus your actual pokemon setup yeah it um and in addition to that brilliant stars also introduced i think introduced you're gonna correct me if I'm wrong here i think it introduced trainer gallery to to English? yes well not no 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 no. we have we had trainer gallery for a bit but this is the so we didn't think we would have it as an every day or every set thing. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay, it's just starting. Now started it's a doing thing it. we have all the time. Yeah. Whereas before, when we were first getting it, like as we got it, and we were like, "Oh wow, these are really cool." Thought nothing of it, like and like because a long time ago we had the Pikachu, the Sneasel. I forget which set this was, but there was the Pikachu, the Sneasel, and they were all trainer galleries too. Okay. And uh, we went for a while without them, and now we have them every set. And they're actually the, the before they were the Radiant Collection way back when. You know, so they've been different names, but now it's something we have every set, and those are just fun to open. Yes, it is just super cool to see that it doesn't take the spot of your um your you can still get a GX, you can still get a big hit and a trainer gallery, or you can yeah. get a hopper and a trainer gallery. So that's a nice feeling, uh, which I thought was great for just um kind of consumer confidence. If you're going to buy something for you know your nephew, your niece, your your you know, I have an eight year old, so if I go buy something for my son and he pulls a trainer gallery, I know he's gonna be excited and the frequency you pulled those just made it really fun to open product. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So I, I think the year was off to a really good start with Brilliant Stars with just kind of like making 
more decks function and then making packs more fun to open. And and I also totally agree with you on, on a point you made about this being fun for kids to open because we're not going to be able to escape this conversation really without mentioning the fact that Pokemon is really reliant on its wide appeal um, as as why it stays so dominant in the marketplace. Um, it it has there is there's just there's kids who just get into it because it's Pokemon cards and they just want Pokemon cards and um, making sure that when kids are opening their packs and they're getting a, they're staying excited about what they're opening is an important thing to do to make sure that they maintain being customers of yours or their parents continue to be customers of yours and that kind of thing. So yeah, smart moves. And, and, and to speak on that, you know, one of my biggest things is trying to have a community for kids. Yes. Um, especially as somebody who's played card games for a long time, we know how some of these communities can be when they get together um, in terms of how they conduct themselves. And the biggest thing for me and Pokemon is having a space where everybody could feel comfortable regardless of age and enjoy themselves. We have, um, I think, the one he's 12 we have a 12 year old that plays with all of our adults every single week and we make sure you know it's a place where we are functioning adults and keeping you know the disney language and you know play and being like that and and supporting uh the community understanding that they're looking for something to do and have a good time too and um we should be able to facilitate that as um leaders in the pokemon community and players yeah and, and that's awesome i think that's that's critical and that's that kind of mentality is what's allowed Pokemon to thrive. Even in our area too, we've had for many years, we've had um, some really great guys who have run our Pokemon events up here who always made sure to like help out kids. I sent my nephew, I several of my nephews over there at different times in their life when they've been into Pokemon and they've, they've gone in and they've gotten to play games with like the professor there who's running the events and everything and just made them have a, a wonderful time. So it's, it's always important. And, and I think um, there's no question why Pokemon continues to have the appeal. It does. Um, because they, the, I mean the TCG specifically in this case, the video game, like sure it's its own reasons too, but like the, the fact that the video game continues helps, but then the fact that the TCG continues to be, um, what it is, is because, um, even <laughs> I, I, I think that I wish that Pokemon would like make, make more like risks with what they, with their card design and, and what they're putting out there and everything. But the reason that they don't do that and they continue to like do cyclical kind of development where they go back to the same mechanics over like V star is just G GX abilities and everything. And they, and we're, EX is coming back with Scarlet and Violet and, and all, all that stuff. The reason they do that is because they're just, they're really just kind of cycling through the things that work. Um, and that excite their, the audience that they know that they have, and they're just continuing to put out a consistent product that, um, will kids will continue to be into forever and, and get into it. And then when they grow up, they have, they have played Pokemon and then, you know, maybe eventually they'll have kids and be like, Hey, you should play Pokemon. I played Pokemon when I was a kid. And it's just like, it's, it's almost this like star Wars merchandise kind of like uh mentality of like when George Lucas made the prequels and he's like, well, I got to make sure the kids like them. And like Pokemon does that too. And, and there's, you can't really fault them for it because that that's sort of just their niche. That's what they they've carved out and that's what works for them really well. Yeah. Time's a flat circle. You know, um, we're always going to go back to what works when um, you have such a long, you know, term thing like the Pokemon trading card game and Pokemon in general. Right. Um, a big thing about what keeps people engaged is something new. Right. But what we remember and what we really enjoyed when that comes back 
it gives you that hit like oh oh whoa they're 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 making that for me that's just for me and, and there are a ton of people that feel that way and it also um it keeps things fresh while touching on things we enjoyed which i i really like about pokemon in the trading card game for sure yeah definitely um any other thoughts on brilliant stars jason uh not really um i thought that brilliant stars was a very great set I did not enjoy the the rush for everyone to get Arceus and Arceus V Star. Um, in terms of obviously, you know, V Stars, you or your V Star pull rates are different than your other pull rates in your boxes. So that was kind of tough. They eventually fixed that later on down the line with you know um, the Arceus V box and yeah, the Arceus V collection. Do. As they all, I mean, you know, they always do. Or um, something I wanted to touch on, which I'm sure we either will or we could touch on now, uh, think their their decks. I mean, look at the V battle decks. Mm. You know, you have your V battle decks, which are kind of, eh, that's your basic, but then you have your uh, league battle decks, and those are constructed viable decks, you know, like the Shadow Rider decks, and the Mew deck, and the Urshifu decks, you know, Pokemon's always good at that. So at the start, you kind of have the growing pains, like, okay, well, I may have to go spend on the secondary market, or I may have to trade a lot to get to those. But that's why it's a trading card game, right? We 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 need to be actually out there trading, unless you know your daddy warbucks and just drop you know two hundred dollars on the table and just do it that way. Which you know more power to you. But outside of that, I, I thought Brilliant Stars was great. We had some really good uh, trainer support, and obviously Arceus was just through the moon an excellent card. Yeah, and and the V battle decks are a great thing to mention too. I I don't know when those started. The decks like that started when I prior to this stint playing this year. The last time I had played was like in black and white era, and I don't remember there being any like really good decks back then. So we had not too long after that we had the Rayquaza Keldeo battle decks, and they weren't great decks, but they were playable. Keldeo was a very good card, and we also that's where it started the the mentality of let's put these very good trainers and item cards in these decks. So it was it was very easy to go pick it up because you needed the versus seekers, the trainers mails, and everything else that may have came inside. Yeah. Um, because maybe your shop didn't have access to those packs, or maybe they were $5 a single where you can go and buy the deck. It's a two-player deck, and you're getting four copies of each. My experience with Pokemon prior to trying things out this year involved playing those pre-cons that are built like a magic deck where they have like 20 energy in them. And a few like multiple evolution chains, but only like one of the stage two of the, some of them and like two of a stage one and one of a, it's there's two of a basic and one of its stage one or something. And those, those are honestly just not, those aren't even playing Pokemon. Like, like uh, they're, I don't, they're playing some, they're some weird alternate reality, like the, the kind of the original version of Pokemon and when it came from wizard of the coast, but um, they have, you get stuck in these loops playing those decks where like you have nothing you can do. You're just drawing energy every turn and you, you have no powerful trainers to be able to like cycle your hand and, or you had like one and you like used it early on and then nothing else happened. You get nothing after that. Um, and it's, if that's your experience with Pokemon and that's why you aren't interested in playing it, it's, you just need to pick up one of these V battle decks instead. And then you actually, you get to play like actual Pokemon. And that's, I found a lot more fun than what I yeah, thought it was. Absolutely. And definitely get the league battle decks. The V battle decks are like oh, sorry, the level league one. battle, league battle. You want the league battle decks. Those are the level three and those definitely. And then soon we're going to have the world's product that they're not uh playable legal, but they will be the world's decks. And those are going to be really great. Those are people that, you know, piloted those decks to great success. Um, and it's really cool that we have 
that ability to get people in a game. Um, I, I will say that the, the the starter decks up until recently, up, up, up until the more modern era of Sun and Moon, we finally started to get starter decks that were really like, okay, this is cool. Like, one of my biggest guilty pleasures is going on PCGO and playing the theme deck ladder. Okay. Um, because there are a ton of theme decks that are just a ton of fun in that vacuum. Really? Um, right. oh, oh, there's a ton of cards. Like, um, what's the, the, the Gardevoir one? I think it's Mental Might or something like that. That deck is so much fun to play before we got all this new stuff. It had the mill tank that dealt 70 more damage if your opponent had a stage 2 Pokemon, stuff like that, which is fun in a, a vacuum where those are the only cards you're playing. Similar to, like, you know, a limited format or, like, yeah. an L3 format with, like, XYZ amount of sets. Um, that's, like, one of my guilty pleasure kind of things. And that came from them actually looking at theme decks. Like, okay, rather than just here is one of your payoff, right? Here's a couple copies of your payoff, and here's, like, a couple like maybe one or two copies of those really good trainers to kind of give you an idea and then a bunch of your you know your hops your tier knows your draw three you know yeah. your, your your draw three cards you know which a lot of other games are like oh draw three <laughs> and then in pokemon you're like draw three i can chorus and we both have full benches with skyfield out and i'm drawing like you know 14 cards yeah yeah draw a supporter those cards in in actual like standard pokemon are not considered competitive at all the supporters that just say draw three there's there's way better ways to cycle through and pokemon is if if you're unfamiliar the way i always tell people about it these days now is pokemon is like playing vintage magic and i don't mean that some people have taken that as as like i'm saying a negative about the game i'm not i'm saying a positive i'm saying you can go spend 30 bucks you can play vintage magic style games with people where you are going to go do crazy things on your turn, but your opponent's going to do the same thing also. And then you go back and forth just trying to like haymaker the opponent, one up the opponent. And if you make one mistake, then that is, then you're, it's going to cost you the game. And then a couple turns later, you're going to be like, I see what I was supposed to do there. I understand now what I did wrong. And that, if that sounds, if you like that style of gameplay, that's what is actually really fun about Pokemon uh, TCG competitively. It's, it all plays like that. And that's a really enjoyable experience to have um for for the people who like that style of gameplay and and so it's a it's a positive thing but it's yeah it's vintage magic to me absolutely like if you like wheel of fortune you will oh, love <laughs> <laughs> professor's research you know yes. um, and for me like the the thing that i like to talk like when i like uh i don't want to get too off the deep end here but when i talk about pokemon to other trading card games a lot of trading card games we play are reactionary right i do mm-hmm. something you have a chance to respond pokemon is proactive majority of the time you will react to your opponent's plays but not in the sense that i'm going to react to what you just did i have to wait till you do everything with that card and you might have an opportunity to do something with that card before i have a chance to react like i have to watch you do it i get to sit there i get to spaghetti all my cards onto this field and go okay it's your turn then my opponent's like well i'm gonna do this this and this because a they probably thought ahead or B, they hit the top deck, which, you know, that's every card game. Right. And, and Pokemon has this deck-building constraint in a sense of, but not a constraint, actually, for a lot of people, it's a blessing that you are building around what you can do to stop your opponent doing from something versus doing what you can to stop your opponent in the moment. Right. You're kind of more playing blankets, like... like the biggest scenario that a lot of Magic players like, what if Pokemon had a sideboard? I said, Pokemon would be completely unhinged with a sideboard. Yes. I, I couldn't even think about a Pokemon sideboard in a way that I would be like, oh, this game is a lot of fun with a sideboard. I think a lot of playing Pokemon, a lot of the fun is that I put these 60 cards together. I'm hoping to, again, I love bringing up the weapon triangle. I'm hoping that, you know, my rock beats uh, your scissors. 
and you didn't bring paper and then figuring out how in the future or how for this tournament I'm going to be able to beat paper with rock. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I want to, I totally agree with something you said there, but the, the proactive play, and I want to say, I want to, I didn't appreciate this. I did not fully appreciate what that meant. Like I knew it for years, you know, I've always known like, yeah, you, there's no instant speed stuff in Pokemon. You just, you, your opponent gets to take their turn and that's it. I didn't appreciate what that meant strategically until I started actually trying to win games while I'm streaming for people. And I started to really understand that, like, you know, as a TCG player, I always know it's it's about, you know, you're looking multiple turns in advance. Okay, what am I going to do next turn? I'm going to do the turn after that. How am I setting up for that? But Pokemon, because there's no other recourse, your view very much, if you want to win more games, you have to sit there and think about what is the worst thing my opponent's going to do on their turn? And how do I make that not be as bad as it could be? And my my most like kind of clear cut example of this of like sort of a of coming up with a play that is very counterintuitive to most people like in the moment. But when you're thinking about your opponent's turn, it makes a ton of sense is when you have a situation where let's say your your opponent has a uh, I'm going to I'm going to just bear with me if you don't understand what this stuff does. Your opponent has a a radiant Greninja out there with uh, like one energy on it or something. Radiant Greninja has an ability that that KOs two things on your turn. You have, uh, your opponent has two prizes left and you have, you're like one turn away from knocking out enough stuff to be able to kill them because you're, you're set up or whatever. But you have a couple of your support basic Pokemon on your bench that have 90 or less HP. And you are about to pass the turn, use your attack and pass the turn when you realize, hang on a second, my opponent can play an energy and then use Capacious Bucket on their turn to put another energy onto their Greninja. And then if they switch into the Greninja, they can use the Greninja's attack to take out these two support Pokemon, and that gets them the two prizes. That's the only way they can get two prizes. So then you go, okay, hang on. I'm going to use Scoop Up Net, and I'm going to pull up one of these, one or both of these Pokemon. And then suddenly you pass the turn to your opponent, and then you see them concede. Because that was they were, they were planning that whole time. They're like, I'm going to use Greninja. I'm going to take these two things out. And you would have had no way to respond to that in the moment of it happening. But if you're thinking ahead and you're playing proactively and you're like, I need to know what my opponent is doing exactly. I need to be able to come up with that line of play and then figure out how to use my puzzle pieces. It's like, you don't play scoop up net to do that in your deck. You play scoop up net so you get to reuse effects on card on Pokemon, but you can have these, these tools and you can be thinking ahead of your opponent, not ahead of your, just thinking at the same turn as your opponent, basically. And then you can actually respond proactively to everything they're doing. And that wins you games in the game. And I did not fully appreciate that until I started playing it. Absolutely. And it sounds like to me, this is filthy drizzle Greninja stuff or, and so <laughs> that you were trying to save or, you know, but anyway, but you're exactly right. You know, in those situations, like, oh, all my opponent needs is the energy boss, I'm dead. Like, oh, well, how do I play around energy boss? Uh, okay, can I can I play the scoop up net? Can I tutor? Can I even dump a stage where, like, sometimes you don't want to evolve, but sometimes you have to because, oh, it's going to give me that hit point buffer. So if they boss it out, it's stuck in the active. It can't do anything, but now they just can't knock it out. You yeah. know, and then you have that risk reward, right? Well, you evolved now, right? And you're like, okay, who? I'm not going to get knocked out. All right, they're going to boss in the active with no energy. Now, what are you going to do? Now your opponent has four turns to get set up while you're digging. You know what I mean? There's so much tit for tat with that, especially with how sort of porters and trainers work. Especially with the the more you play the game and the wider your breadth of knowledge is of the game, in particular with your deck, and then with what your opponent's playing. Completely, yeah, completely agree. So. 
Um, back to, back on topic, just a little bit here. That been like I, I that was a really nice aside because I think it's really worth talking about that too a little bit because I think a lot of people who are going to listen to this aren't Pokemon players and and might have misconceptions. Um, that I think it's worth clearing up a little bit. Um, Astral Radiance was the next set that came out, uh, and Astral Radiance um introduced some of the Hisuian Pokemon from uh, Legends Arceus, which is which is cool. Um, but most importantly, Palkia. Palkia baby, that's uh, my deck of choice. I, I enjoy playing because it's a, uh, it's a so easy. Caveman can do it, just like you know Geico. Um, <laughs> and for me, that's great. I also thought it was a refreshing uh, uh, kind of have this Pokemon that could attack and set up, versus kind of just like I'm going to set up my attacker. No, uh, you know, with uh, Palkia's V Star ability, setting up that extra water energy from the discard, which as you know, and, and if you don't play, it's very easy to get water or get energy in the bin in general, especially water. You could bucket for your for your energy, pitch it for with quick ball, pitch it with ultra ball, pitch it with professor's research, pitch it with, you know, a, a multitude of cards we have in the format to get that stuff in the discard pile, set up Radiant a second Greninja. attacker. Ra- yeah, exactly. Radiant Greninja with concealed cards. So it, it was such a fun deck to play and set up. And then we had, you know, my favorite card I think we've had in this block of Pokemon, uh, the Irida supporter is just lights yeah, out an insane card yeah um it, it's nuts and then with the the rule changes coming up which we'll touch on at the end you yes. know it's interesting to see the impact it's going to have on cards like that um but yeah um astral radiance was a pretty good set obviously palkia was the runaway mvp of the set it was the the one deck you really wanted to play going into that and it was fun trying to figure out what flavor of the deck you wanted to play um there were Especially now, yeah, more um, more versions have have sort of been created as more different kind of haymaker water Pokemon have come out as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like at first we were playing Starmie V, the one with the free retreat and then has fifty for each energy, you know, stuff like that. And now it's kind of shifted to decks playing Empoleon V, you know, for kind of more of a controlly kind of t- uh, block with its ability and stuff like that. So it, it, it was it's very cool to see that shell evolve over time but it was definitely a cool part of that set and i, I really like the trainer's gallery from that set in general i really enjoy the trainer's gallery yes. but um i think Asteradians had some great cards and it was nice to get peg part the uh Hisuian pokemon into the game finally it was very nice to see them start touching on that and then as we went uh what Hisuian pokemon we've got and um how they've Inter, uh, included them into the game, I think they've done really well. In particular with the Hisuian Pokemon with the supporter lines, incorporating those games, I think that has been really cool. Sorry for getting out of frame here. I was not prepared and didn't fully charge my headset because, Uh-oh. you know, I'm I'm a fully functioning adult, but that's okay. We'll charge it in a second. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Astral Radiance did a really good job of that. It, it was a really good set. Not anything that really blew me away personally, but it really got my favorite deck to play in the format, um, it being uh, Palkia. In my opinion, the most important thing that Astro Radiance brought is actually introducing the Radiant Pokemon um, to the game. That was the first set that had them. Um, and Radiant Pokemon, for people who aren't aware, are Shinies, uh, which is cool. They're always basic. And they are have a special Radiant rule, which is you may only have one Radiant Pokemon in your deck. Um, and and I've talked about this when it comes to other mechanics in other games as well. It shows up. This shows up as a in a mechanic in Grand Archive. It shows up as a mechanic in um, Dragon Ball Super. It shows up as a mechanic in uh, oh, there's a game I can't remember. There's there's a few other games that do this though. It's a mechanic where you just get to you. It's a mechanic on a card that says you can only have one of this in your deck, and they're powerful cards. And I I just 
there's something about that flavorfully that I just really dig. In Pokemon, it's a little different because in Pokemon, if you want to see your whole deck turn one, you can sometimes. <laughs> like, like, um, it's so it's like not like that cool, but I like it in the um, I like it in games where it's like I drew my awesome card. Like I was able to get this and that's going to change the game. And it, and it introduces sort of like a, some, I can see people not liking it too, because that, that is sort of like that. Well, I lost cause he drew the, you know, drew the ultimate card or whatever. Um, but I just find that fun because I also really enjoy the choice that you have to make when you sit down and you go now, which of these super powerful cards takes that slot in my deck? The uh, Pokemon did this with ACE trainers uh, a while back too. Right. Which, Absolutely. um, although, like, did did people play more than computer search? Because I know computer search is like. Really- oh yeah, there, scramble switch is nuts in specific okay. decks. Um, I played a uh, computer spec because I I really just liked stuff like that. I wasn't really much of a control player, so scramble switch didn't do a lot for me. But sure. definitely, uh, computer search was the nuts. I, I love that card. Yeah, but like it's it's a nice mechanic to have, and and. Every set has so far has continued to introduce a new set of three radiant Pokemon. Um, it started off with uh, what? Start, it started with Greninja, um, Heatran, and oh yeah, Halucha. Like yeah, yep. so those are the three. I think Halucha was great. Yeah, but the problem with Halucha, I don't think Halucha is bad. The problem is it was printed alongside Greninja, and that card is just not okay. <laughs> it's it's a very good card. Um, the fact yeah. that you could just discard uh, to draw. The, discard your energy to draw that is just exactly what water wants to be doing between melanie you know to get that energy attach it to one of your v pokemon and draw three cards and accelerate my energy and greninja enables that and got me two cards on its own oh yeah they're gonna knock it out eventually that's great but that's fine all you need really need is like one or two concealed card activations and you're kind of setting up your whole deck for the rest of the game heatran um was a card they printed so that's cool yeah, it, it, there there was Very a cool. printer ink used on that <laughs> it could do a lot of damage um in you probably a fringe to... set of circumstances yeah you probably need to set it up quite a bit so oh I'm trust like... me dude i'm like this guy can do like 280 damage if you do this is this i'm talking about with my friends and they're like it sure can <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I, Greninja was so good. It's so good that even non-water decks play it. It's not like, and, and I do think there's something, while, while we're talking about it, do you feel Jason that water is maybe a little better than most other types? So you have currently? less of a history in Pokemon than me. Yes, I do. So we have had this in the past with stuff like, um, fire. fire. When we had Welder in the format, oh my God. You know, attaching two fire energy to your Pokemon off a four was was or item was unhinged, like it is degenerate to the point that you know fire was super good. Um, when we had you know um, stuff like Blacephalon in the format and and things like that, so there has always been uh, when we had Dark Patch the first time around with Darkrai um, EX and stuff like that. We've always had uh, Tapu Lele GVX stuff like that. We've always had these cards that would push a specific. Um, color in, or in typing or into the forefront and then as the format evolves deeper into the formatting we start to see these other decks um, before water was really good this time around it wasn't that bad psychic was definitely dominant um, mm. between rapid strike malamar uh, fog crystal was a big enabler for a lot of that sure. just either getting a pokemon or getting that energy was nuts and then obviously fusion strike mew is just nuts like 
bonkers. You want to talk about drawing cards and going through (laughs) your deck and just uh, power tablet, power tablet, power tablet, Meowletta knockout, you know, stuff like that. Just absolutely having really super the kind of distilled degenerate versions of the game that 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 was like that so water is definitely super pushed i do think that it's gotten better over time but definitely for ease of access water is is definitely where you want to be yeah yeah for sure yeah i mean i figured there was there was some sort of cyclical nature to it whereas just every now and then there's just like an a type that's pushed stronger than the others it's just it's just so it, it is a little weird to me looking at it from Someone who, uh, I mean, like, like I said, Pokemon has their own game design sensibilities, right. And their own priorities and their own, their own things are doing. Like, I, I really think they prioritize theme over a lot of other things a lot of the time. So it's like, okay, they're going to print Irida. They're going to print Melanie. Like, wh- what are they going to make those do? They're going to support water, right? Like, cause that's their gym leaders that supported those types or whatever, or Irida is a little different, but like, yeah, it's the point. So, um, it, it's. And I do think I do think that um, they don't always like sit down and go like, okay, well, hang on, water's really good right now, so maybe let's not print this. It's just more like, well, we you know we we we're printing this trainer because it's it's the one that makes sense, and and they they have to print they they're not going to print their um, set based on uh, with, with brilliant stars or, or sorry based on um, no not the brilliant stars but but uh, legends Arceus stuff, and they're not going to print like origin form Dialga and Palkia, right? They're like, they're, they're going to do it. Right. Um, so because they have this sort of like requirement to keep up with the Pokemon games and the Pokemon themes and everything, you just end up with the right now water getting like tons of stuff that just happens to be really good. And like, like, uh, and I, I, I assume that, I mean, your welder thing, I don't know why they printed that card. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, it, it, it goes to show that, um, I will never truly understand the de- design philosophy of Pokemon. They uh, yeah. and, and nor do I really care to at this point. Um, but it, it does kind of this ebb and flow. And you're right; they're going to print their marquee Pokemon from that game. Well, what are they going to do? They're going to try to make it, you know, attractive and flashy and playable. So right. what do they do? They're going to build stuff around it to make it flashy and playable. It doesn't help that they put characters that people are drawn to, characters with. Uh, alternate arts that just look awesome that people are going to want to have anyway so you know it, it, it definitely goes hand in hand between the consumer part of the game and the player part of the game and actually playing it yeah you just you can't you can't get away with like printing Arceus and making him like not good right it's like right. it's kind of like you're printing Palkia origin form making it not good so they're they're always going to do that but it does it just there that's the weird part in my brain there's just like a little twitch that happens and I'm like okay stop making water support cards it's it's good enough we don't need more of them right now but they don't that doesn't necessarily matter to them all the time and 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 honestly it's not like that like is a huge negative for how the game plays or whatever it's just it's just kind of like part and parcel what comes with playing pokemon i think Absolutely. It, it does make it if your favorite Pokemon is Charizard or something less uh, exciting to want to play going into a format where somebody's going to be like, oh, uh, 480 damage for two energy. And you're like, oh, yeah. that, that, just my okay. whole deck is dead. Thank you. Uh, cool. I, uh, I had a great engaging game experience with you. They, you know, they stuff could like revamp that. revamp the weakness system. If eh, I, I'm actually <laughs> of the camp that I'm fine with weakness. Really? All right. Like, it's fine. Well, but I also think I have Stockholm syndrome with it and I've been playing with it for so <laughs> long. Fair. It's like, okay, well, don't, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's because fine. Every, every time we've had rule changes in the past, I get, yeah. why do you mean I can't play a supporter turn one? 
you know, <laughs> God, um, you stuff like that. <laughs> Every time I've been playing this year too. And, and I, I like it's, I take the first turn or something and I go to play support. I'm like, Oh, I wish I could. And then I go, no, wait, no, I don't wish anyone could play a supporter first turn. I, I remember I was like, they're ruining the game. I'm never going <laughs> to. And then like a couple months in, we were like, oh, this is fine. Like, it's fine. It's, yeah. it's really not that bad. It sucks. Like, sometimes you're like, oh, I whiffed my supporter on turn one and turn two. And my opponent just went second and set up. And I'm just like, hmm, boss's orders. All right. Uh <laughs> pack them up you know yep. but yep. but it's better than the previous of just kind of vomiting everything out before your opponent gets even a chance to to do anything like yeah. literally draw a card for the turn yeah. so it, <laughs> I, I i again it's it's um it, it's just growth of a game and trying new things to see if it works competitively because that is you know um a big part of the game's longevity as well is going to be how competitive and viable it is they could print pokemon cards till we're cold in the ground hundred years from now mm -hmm. but if the game isn't competitively viable they're not achieving their full potential and i think they've realized that as a um creator of the trading card game and have after putting so many resources into it to keep a competitive game in the long term and i think these fundamental rule changes are fine except don't mess with weakness but that's fine <laughs> okay just leave it alone <laughs> i no, think I, I have a different take on that very last part than you but it's no. fine it's it's a it's fine. We're allowed to have a difference of opinion. That's fine. yes, absolutely. Um, the okay. So the set that follows Rastal Radiance was Pokemon Go. Um, this was an exciting set, and then not really that exciting of a set. I think shortly afterwards. So these filler sets that are like the celebration sets and stuff like yeah. that, right? They are not meant to be these. And all be all monster Pokemon, although we've had them in there, like with, you know, um, Charizard V Max when we had them the first time and stuff like that. But they printed Pokestop, and that card mm -hmm. is just that's on paper that's a insane. Card. That's a card. Like in this a house. stadium is, it's like, it, it's a house. And, you know, you were a big advocate of, you know, rocks for a while. You were jamming that. Rocks, rocks you were too, jamming yeah. that, dude. Yep, you, were, you were all about that life. And, um, I love that archetype. After a while, I did not love that archetype. I'm like, oh, yep. are you kidding me? Soul yep. rock, soul rock, soul rock, soul rock. Stop, <laughs> stop. So I'm just, and you're just like waiting yeah. and waiting and waiting. Yeah. You're like, cool. Face, I was face palming. Every you have time a good I deck trainer. <laughs> uh, you <laughs> that, know, that then you hit him with a smiley face. Oh my god. The and, um, um, yeah, yeah. Pokemon. I, I like. I totally get that. I, I get that Pokemon Go wasn't meant to be like a major set, but I do feel like there's a missed opportunity there because, like, it. I think they. I feel like they could have leaned more into Pokemon Go and like made it a more exciting thing. Where like, I, I guess I just don't understand releasing Pokemon Go, saying, "Hey, if you play Pokemon Go, come try the trading card game," and then not one making. Every card, like, I'm I'm serious. This should have been, like, Final Fantasy TCG artwork. Like, literally just, I want it to be the Pokemon that I'm, like, I'm trying to catch in Pokemon Go. As yeah, yeah, literally do a screenshot from the dang phone thing. That's, it doesn't really matter. It's fine. That's what yeah. the people wanted. Yeah, Instead, I want that. And I want these to be, like, then I buy a bunch of Pokemon Go, and I'm like, wow, I have a good deck. Not, and, and it's not just rocks <laughs> the soul yeah, it's not just out. rocks and then you know pulling the sweet uh the mewtwo and you know yeah. stuff like that but um 
I think it was great. I really like how they incorporated the Go codes into the game. I thought that was really cool because what it did achieve there was that crossover. The -hmm. problem once we got that crossover is the cards they printed were just not very exciting, unfortunately. Um, And I think that, like you said, that's a definite missed opportunity. If they would have really knocked it out of the park with some really marquee cards that were playable versus just cool cards, they could have really kept maybe some more of that crossover and momentum. I still think it was cool for what it was. It was definitely just a subset. It was not meant for you to go dump a ton of time and product into and and and, but it definitely has some cool cards that people are still playing it it was uh it was nice for them to finally branch into it i'm just disappointed they didn't really dig their heels into it a bit more it does it does have radiant charizard blastoise and venusaur which were very cool cards to print um and i my most recent deck i've been playing was been superior and i do not like radiant charizard because of the weakness thing (laughs) and i'm glad you mentioned radiant charizard and i completely slipped my mind i thought it was the next set for some reason but then duh it was go radiant charizard is a house what a wonderful card and i think it's a really great design card like i think the card Mm -hmm. itself is fantastic I, i i i like the benefit of the card um Weakness obviously is a bit of a big deal, especially when you're <laughs> dirtling around the superior. Uh, Blastoise yeah, and come on, and that's okay. That's the that's the beauty of this game, right? I yes. I have played so many janky decks. I'm known for playing junk. They'll go, "That's a Toro deck." When they'll talk about locals, and then they'll send me a list, and I'm like, "Oh, you guys don't think that highly of me that I would play this." And then next week, I'm sleeving that up. I bought it for like 35 cents on TCG Player, <laughs> you know, and I'm doing dumb stuff. And um, I I really like Radiant Venusaur. I think that card's awesome. Mm, I wish yeah, it had cool. more of a home yes. in the design space of Radiant cards. It is a really cool, like a, as we get further down line, I've been messing around with the basic Hisuian Arcanine, and that is a really cool card with it, because if you have an empty card uh, hand, he does more damage, and at the end of your turn, you gas it back up with Radiant Venusaur's ability. Mm. So it's really cool, right? Yeah. And um, I, I think that the, they did they really did a great job on the three Radiant Pokemon for the set. And it was nice for them to do Charizard, Venusaur, and Blastoise. They're marquee cards. For sure. People really like them. Uh, but uh, yeah, I definitely think there's a bit of a disparity between, you know, Charizard and the rest. But that's been thematic most of the time across the card game. We've had a couple times where Blastoise was just better back when we had Deluge and, uh, you know, kind of like your Rain Dance style decks where you just attach, you know, when we had the new version with Deluge and stuff like that. But but Venusaur, I I still don't think ever got the best end of the stick. So it was nice to kind of give him a really cool card. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's just important that that is the one part of Go where I think the opportunity wasn't missed. It's like that's if you're gonna if you're gonna put the Radiant Pokemon in there, then you're gonna put Charizard, Blastoise, Venusaur. It's like it's just your opportunity to put those in. And like other than I guess they could have done Radiant Pikachu. That what a what a cool secret like secret rare slot. Like back when they did Dark Raichu, you remember back back those days like the the additional card. Wouldn't it have been sweet if there was just this like also surprise Radiant Pikachu or something in there? It'd be cool. I, I And kind of to piggyback off that, what they did with Ditto was awesome. Oh, the Ditto thing was really cool, too. Well, yeah, super yeah, no, sick, totally. except every Ditto I've opened after you peel the sticker off has been scratched or ruined. So hopefully yeah. they'll find a way down the line to improve that. But you're right. That would have been really cool Um, to just have, like, you get to the very last pack. And you're like, oh, sick. I got, you know, or even you go even one step further and make it like a marquee character's Pokemon. You know, yeah. like from you know some and, and stuff like that, and really kind of dig into it. Um, but I, I think that that is things that they should continue to explore. Um, stuff like back uh, back even before we talk about like Detective Pikachu and stuff like that. That was just a lot of fun. I think when they do a lot of fun stuff in the game, it's a really cool way to get new eyes into it and hook them that way. Yeah, totally. Uh, following Pokemon Go, we had Lost Origin. 
Uh, now, this the interesting thing about this set was it brought back a mechanic that hadn't been seen in a little while. I don't know how long, because you would know better than me, but the, the Lost Zone came back in this set. Yeah, so we got the Lost Zone back. We haven't been without the Lost Zone for a while. Um, we had it in the Sun and Moon era, okay. um, and one of my favorite cards, Giraffe Rig, was a um, card that would take two cards, uh, one energy. I think it was one er No, it's a DC, I I'm pretty sure. Two energy. I might be wrong, but I know what it does. It takes two cards for your opponent's discard pile and puts them in the Lost Zone. Ooh, love that nice. card yeah love that awesome. guy so it was nice to see the law zone come back and i think the way they handled the law zone is fantastic they made so many cool cards now do i think the comfy engine is a little insane yeah yep but we got a lot of cool like using the law zone i didn't like how they did it a long time ago using law zone as discard pile number two i sure. do like filling a bunch of junk in my law zone to do more stuff i love that the, and I, I love thinning I totally cards. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I I wasn't sure what to think of it going into the set, and then when I started, I you know started cracking some online, and then like messing around, seeing how the decks played. The I I totally agree that like making it this side resource that you're trying to build in those decks that are built around doing that, which enabled then like Cramorant's attacks for free or Giratina's just like you lose ability. Yeah, you or just lose the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. That that kind of stuff is is actually really fun and interesting to play around. Now, I'm also with you. The comfy engine, like, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's, <laughs> like it feels so okay. Again, vintage magic, right? Like, if you watch me playing this, I am playing the paradoxical paradoxical outcome with all your like moxin like vintage deck, where I'm just going like, okay, comfy. Look at the top two cards. One in my hand, one in the lost zone. Uh, other comfy on bench, scoop up net comfy, bring out comfy, use the ability one in my hand, one in the lost zone. Okay. Play the other comfy scoop up net comfy. Others comfy out. Use the ability again. Like you just keep doing that. <laughs> you just keep doing it over and over again. They're like, ah, now I'll use Colress in the, you know, three in hand two or, or two in hand three in the lost zone or whatever. I can't remember which one. I think it was two and three, yeah. but, um, yeah, like it's it it feels really nutty when you're when you actually when you have that nuts hand and you have everything that you're doing. And the problem is that it's so easy to get to the nuts hand, and it's and it, the engine itself helps you get to the nuts hand the whole time too. Yeah, and, and but the, the 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 upside to all of that is I still think its end game payoff isn't the best. While Giratina does say you just lose a guy, right? Your guy yep. gets knocked out. Okay, Kramer attacking for free. It's an it's an attack, right? It, it's gonna it's gonna knock out a basic, but a lot of the meta game right now isn't like your stage ones and your stage two. You're gonna tank a hit uh, when it goes off early. It's obviously nuts because you just get so far off the blocks. The longer the game goes, I feel against these lost box style decks, the more it goes in your favor. Yeah. Um, they start to gas out of resources because they kind of went super hard, similar to how Fusion Strike would do, where they were just like, all right, I'm going to gas through this deck, try to get all my Fusion Strike energy, maybe dig for these last tablets I need to knock that out. Well, what happens when they don't hit it? They've just burned through so many resources. It's all in their bin. And same with Lost Zone. They've Lost Zoned a ton of stuff. Yeah, they can attack with Freeware Camera. They might get the attack with Giratina. Um, but I, I, I do think it's fair while just being tedious for me as a player. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you're totally right too. I, the deck I was playing a lot during this was Gudra, which is I, honestly my favorite deck that I've played in Pokemon TCG still is that way. It is extremely fun to me. This is maybe, maybe, uh, like, you know, you mentioned earlier, you're kind of this like brain dead red deck wins kind of player. 
I like this Gudra thing where I'm going to sit there and I'm going to go, you can do whatever you want. You're going to do like six damage to me. It just doesn't matter at all. <laughs> um, now, the problem is there are ways to play around it, which actually is not the problem. The nice thing is there are ways to play around it. So it's not oppressive or anything. And things like that Giratina deck were a problem for me because they would just go, all right, I will shred you then. And then your thing's done. Yeah, so and then you just lose. Doesn't matter. Or the other thing was the, uh, was is Spiritomb, I think, is the one that... Um, you could put, you just put, they put a million damage counters on things that ignores my ability to take yeah. no damage from stuff. Yeah, um, Spare Tomb has notoriously always had a card that's just been like, hey, I'm going to put damage counters on myself to put them on you or something like that. Back when we had the Spirit Tomb, what that would put deal damage equal number of damage counters on them, and then its ability was put a damage counter on himself. Sure. So we had decks like that in the past. So Spirit Tomb has always been this kind of, hey, I'm just going to dump all this crap on you kind of Pokemon. And you're right, that does kind of play around that uh, Gujar strategy and. Yeah, I could appreciate Gujra, but boy, did I hate playing against Gujra. Like cards like <laughs> Gujra and Cheryl. Don't get me started on Cheryl. I could talk for an hour about Jason, how that card. I'm only playing decks you hate right now. Gudra and now my superior Cheryl. <laughs> like, see, yeah, but I, I, I think I, I think superior Cheryl is less egregious than Gujra. But sure. I think it is cool to have that avenue, right? In a game yeah. where you're just trying to set up and be hyper aggressive. What about the guy who just gets set up and just is like, all right, yeah, sure, you you do that. Give him a little yep. pat on the head. And I'm going to go now and, and heal all that up. And we'll just keep doing this till you just get tired or I win. It it comes down to, the, I tend to gravitate towards playing control decks in games. And Pokemon doesn't, Pokemon's control is different than other games. Because as we mentioned, it's a very proactive game, right? So all of my control methods are, my Gudra method is, is like, okay, well, I'm going to make it so your attacks just do very little damage to me. And then just like... Okay, I've taken a couple hits. Now I'm going to switch into my other Gudra. Now you have to hit this one. <laughs> like, whatever. Um, and the superior one, for people who aren't aware, is a hilarious... I think it's a hilarious deck. It's a it's a deck where you your goal is to put two to three... Three is really fun. Superiors, V-Stars on the board that each have an, a tool equipped to them called Leafy Camo Shield, which says this can't be affected by your opponent's supporters. Um, which the only the only purpose of that is it means they can't selectively boss's orders out uh, force you to it's a gust of wind for original players but force you to put a certain Pokemon out. So you get to choose what's out for you at any given moment. That's the important part, right? And then all you're doing is you are um, having a superior out that has enough HP through some other methods to just make sure it can take a hit. It takes whatever hit you want it to take, and then on your next turn you use the attack. Uh, and you move the, the it has an attack that then moves all of its energy to another Pokemon. So you have a superior out, it attacks, then it moves all its energy to one superior. Then the superior that's out takes the hit. Then your next turn, it has free retreat, by the way. So then you free retreat in uh, the other one, like maybe your third one at this point, use the attack, move the energy to your second one, move the energy to your third one. It's really hard to explain in a podcast, I realize. But the point is, once you get energy on your other superiors, you then uh, you have an energy on the superior that has no damage. Then you play this Cheryl supporter, which says all of your Pokemon with uh, with um, any damage on them, all your V Pokemon lose their damage and then discard any energy on Pokemon healed this way. But you moved all your energy to the superior that hasn't taken damage yet. And then you loop that over and over again. Just keep moving energy, taking damage, moving energy, taking damage, Cheryl, moving energy, taking damage, moving energy, taking damage, Cheryl, every time until your opponent goes, wow, this sucks. And then loses. <laughs> yeah, and it, it reminds me of the, you know, Hey, I'm going to put a ball in this cup and then I'm going to spin all the cups around and you never pick the cup. That's the ball in it. That's yep. what the Cheryl deck feels like. It's that is what it is. And, um, 
it's great that you enjoy playing that. One of these episodes, I have to send you a, a, one of those really crazy controllers. One of my locals, Brendan, plays a lot. He is notorious for building, bringing whatever dirtily deck that you're going to hate that's going to either get all of his resources back, get rid of your resources, and like... Uh, we were just like, don't bring that to locals. We're 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 six people trying to play Pokemon on a Friday <laughs> night. Get that crap out of here. But it 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 lends to people's play styles. And um, if you like control, you could really go deep down that rabbit hole, especially with some of the decks that have been successful, like the Mewtwo V Union decks. Mm, yeah. I, v Union cards in general, which we didn't even touch on. I thought for the longest time they're just gonna be unplayable. They're not. I've it's, been crushed by some. They are really not, and it's because now that people have gotten adventurous enough to build these kind of pseudo control lists or pseudo aggro lists with them in in normal format. If we were talking about expanded, Pikachu V Union is actually broken, and, and expanded is more for anybody who's played any other games. It's like a if standard is we are on a rotation, so X amount of sets are legal, right? We're we're legal to a certain regulation letter right now in Pokemon. In expanded, it's X Y to where we are now. And we have a lot of cards to play with, and there it's it's a lot of degeneracy. You want to talk about really going down a rabbit hole of like you know people and you know hiding in a back alley playing Pokemon and doing like you know hey you guys want to come over here and play some expanded that can get to some really scary stuff where you're doing you're playing against people just winning the game on turn one like actually game one either donking you out or uh, locking you out of the game and using items stuff like that yeah um, and that really lends to are you a control player are you aggro player. You know, stuff like that. Pokemon really can do that. And um, don't play Cheryl at your locals or Gudra. If you <laughs> I, keep I would 100% up. play Gudra or Superior <laughs> at my locals, and I would love it every moment. I, I, and I think you should. And and it's a fun, <laughs> it's a cool little archetype. It's nice to have a control deck in a game that feels like it's about dealing the biggest numbers possible. Yeah, yeah. It. I mean, I think that's important to have. So Lost Origin, um, overall, I think a, a really cool set. Um, I, I like I like the things they added with it in general. Um, I do agree. Comfy is just like a, a comfy is like a weird. I mean, it's just weird that it exists. I guess it feels like it's like it's just so the thing about it is just so obvious. Like you see the card and you go, oh, the, I, I get immediately how this is an insane engine for setting this up. And it's also clearly the best way to do it. Um, and I, but I think again, this just lends me to being like, I, I don't quite understand Pokemon's design team because if I were designing Lost Origin, there would have been like, okay, every type is going to have its like thing that, that does Lost Zone and, and we're going to make them different based on how we think the type shack, like fire is going to like, like, dis, like move cards from the discard to Lost Zone. So you have to be like aggressively like discarding cards. So like, you know, I would have thought that way about it. Right. But I'm not a Pokemon game designer. Clearly I'm a, damn it. I don't understand. I'm a different kind of game designer, I guess. Yeah. You know. Um, and, and we are game designers remind you, you know, oh, no, we, we we're have, not, we, we're not, I would, we, sorry, we I would be, I would be a different kind of, game <laughs> no, designer. but you know, we we're just, we're just guys on the internet talking about what we enjoy, but what I wish they would have did with the law zone is more law zone hosers. Um, yeah. I really don't like, and Pokemon is kind of notorious for this until recently when we got path of the peak, I, I almost had a, a stroke. I was like, are you kidding me? This card's yeah. nuts. Temple of Sinnoh, this card's nuts. Yeah. And and Temple of Sinnoh, I think, is a criminally underplayed card, but I also think that's because Path is played. And yes. special energy is so good to want to play too. Um, but to to go further down to the point I was trying to make, um, I wish there were more cards that punished your opponent for loading up their loss zone. Maybe even at a like a V star kind of thing at a, or, or like a break point where they, it does it once, not all the time. Because once they fill their loss zone, they can't get the cards back out. So you don't want a card that just says while they have X amount, you always do this, right? But uh, again, I think it lends to 
I think you and I come from the magic background too, where we're like, oh, colors should be all have access to this thing, but in their own way. Yeah. Versus the Pokemon has never been like that. It just hasn't ever been a priority for them. Right. It's just it just doesn't like again, they just have different different priorities. Like yeah. who cares? Who cares Absolutely. about that? Like, yeah, this is what Comfy does. If you want to play awesome, you play Comfy. That's yeah. That's if how it works. Want, that's that's it. You you play these flowers and you like it into your fish. That's it. <laughs> or your your uh, your whatever cramorant is. What's the thing? Bird. Ah, bird. A bird. It's a. It's, it's called wings. a bird, Jason. It's called a bird. <laughs> <laughs> Birds aren't even real. All right. <laughs> um. Yeah, and and man, I was gonna. I was. I don't. It's remember. a pelican. It's a pelican. It, it pelican? has the little mouthy thing, right? Kinda. Someone can can correct me. Make sure you correct me when you watch this. Put it in the it's comments. A, it, no, we're stupid. We're gonna look for it's it. It's a cormorant. That's it's why its name is Cramorant. I don't it's even a, know what a cormorant is. It, it's I, a I bird. In Florida, you, well, you, well, I obviously know that now. <laughs> like, you got to understand, is it native to your land? Because I don't see them down here. Uh, yeah, yeah, it actually is. It is. It is native to where I am in the yeah. in the upper Midwest. We have we have yeah. cormorants. Yeah, typically when I park my alligator when I get home, I don't see them. <laughs> you know, when I when I get home every day, I haven't seen a cormorant. I've seen a lot of you know seagulls. We got a lot of those. Well, they have seagull Pokemon too. They just don't interact with yeah, the we awesome. Got, we got Wingull and Pelipper, man. Don't you don't you wish that Pelipper is a pelican? I don't know why you call Cramorant a pelican. <laughs> because a pelican. well, well, Wingull evolves into Pelipper. Why does a you know why does a seagull evolve into a pelican? That doesn't make sense. I... Seagulls just get bigger. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Eat your food. Can we talk about the real controversy right now, Jason? Why are there three Pokemons now that are based on? I'm just going to combine them. I know they're different, but crocodile slash alligators. Why? Why are there? Why do we already have three Pokemon based on that? What's? You muted yourself to respond to me. Okay, because Florida is 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 taking over. Oh, that has to be it, right? (laughs) <laughs> no i don't know but they're all cool as hell they are they're that's pretty the sick part so like i think they found out alligators make sick pokemon like yeah. look at all the alligators and crocodiles we've had throughout they've all been pretty dope we've had crocodile we've had for alligator we've skeledurge now and that thing's freaking awesome it's like Skeleturge a singing fire crocodile dude like yeah. what where did they just like they were like all right guys i have this d100 <laughs> and here we go we're gonna roll it three times and now we you have a pink <laughs> fluffy bipedal thing with a hammer all right we got tinkerton next let's keep going that's kind of feel like the design of Gen you know, and, and i'm here for it actually it, it reminds like it. me a lot of uh black and white design and i love yeah. black and white's designs yep, like me I, too i'm a, a, a big garbador guy over here big <laughs> oh what is this pokemon oh it's just a giant pile of trash what is this? It's just keys. Let's, you know, it makes me happy that I could think of me. Maybe I can get this non-branded water bottle to my right to be a Pokemon one day. And I'm hoping they're going to get there. But um, yeah, I can't anyway. wait for the tripod Pokemon to show up. I, I, maybe we have one. We might actually. I'm not we sure. Might. I don't know. I don't, know, at this I don't point. know. I don't know. There's been so many. Okay. Moving on, moving on. So yeah, Lost Origin, cool set. Good set. I, I, I did enjoy it. Um, we haven't seen it. Is was was Lost Zone only in Lost Origin though? Did they put anything in Silver Tempest with? Lost I Zone? I don't recall. I don't think so. Uh, and, and real quick with Lost Zone, I think it was the first set since um, Brilliant Stars that really opened up a lot more of the metagame. Um, in my opinion, okay. yeah, it differ from other people, but I felt like 
we kind of spun our wheels for a bit, and now finally we're like, okay, cool, here's some more new archetypes. Obviously, that comes with a new mechanic or a revisited mechanic, but it also opened up a lot of things that um, we weren't really playing as much before or, or even thought of to play, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, Silver Tempest is, I think, different than that. It sure um. is. It's a it's a Lugia V Star or bust. Yes, all the um, other um, things are kind of bad. Like yeah, well, Archeops, we got Archeops, and he's nuts. That card is I don't even think is real. How insane that card is. Um, the oh, Archeops sure, with true. the energy, but but you're right in terms of marquee Pokemon, right? Like if I'm like a Lolan Volpix is not it. It's a great looking card. Yep. Um, what much. I really like about Pokemon is how they're doing the lenticular cards to the LGS. I really love the Lugia. Vulpix mm. lenticular card. It looks awesome. Yeah, those are cool. Um, they really knocked it out of the park with some of the art this set, but unfortunately, it's really just, in my opinion, and again, this is coming from somebody, I, I play with people who are competitive, but I'm not a big competitive player myself. I'm more of an organized professor and somebody who enjoys the game, but in, in terms of my breadth of knowledge and what my what I, I see, uh, it's been a lot of what the biggest takeaway is Lugia V-Star is, is a house. It is a very good card. But really, outside of that, you you just got a lot of other cards. Yeah. Yeah, I, di I didn't find Silver Tempest to be a particularly inspiring or impressive set. Um, now, one one thing I can't escape without talking about in this conversation is just that I Pokemon is one of these games where there's a Japanese metagame ahead of the English metagame. And then we get the we get the sets a few months later and. I am not a big fan of that style of game uh, in general, just because I like to, I like to have, look, I'm not, I'm not going to like be topping a tournament with like super crazy rogue deck, just cause I like, I drop out round three every time I play, <laughs> and play a lot of like a major tournament, but, but I want to believe that I can come up with something cool and unique and, and innovative. And it's not that I can't do it in Pokemon, but it's harder because a lot of the metagame has been pretty well explored a lot of the time. And like, if I go, Ooh, I wonder, I feel like this card's just on the edge of being good. I just type it into Google and like, there's like a million. He's like, yeah, here's, here's how you make this deck. It's all right. Yeah. Like that's, that's what it ends up being. And like that takes the wind out of my sails a little bit. I don't know how you feel about it, Jason. Uh, for me, uh, a big example of that was the stage one uh, Zorark we got not too long ago that when he's in the discard pile, you could, sw or, uh, you could swap him from another Pokemon in your discard pile. That's another stage one. To me, that card, I was like, wow, this lets you do so much cool stuff. And then we looked ahead, and you're like, eh, it's cool, but yeah. we never really got all the support we needed to make it great. And that would kind of really deflate you. And, and in recent memory, because we're finally going to get caught up, like we're getting to the point where eventually that the, the, the end game is that we're all going to be on the same thing. Where yes. Those paths are eventually going to line up, I, but I mean, is, for is that while, actually with the plan? The, the plan that is the, that that is the tentative plan. It, okay, but I wasn't it, to me, it's been the, the plan for five years. Yeah, so think about like it that way. We are a lot closer now than we were. Sure. To put it in perspective, there was a time where they were playing with all these black and white cards, and and we were past it. And it's like, oh, their metagame is so different because they have access to cards we don't even have access to anymore versus cards that are coming out. Sure. So, um, it it. it it is fun to watch the Japanese events um, with the newer stuff, but um, it really, for me as a player, and I know for some people, it kind of takes the wind out of the sails of creativity because you don't get, it, unless you're really at the, the echelon of the top players, you don't get to be that guy like, I can think of this deck. 
because a lot of that recipe was already made for you, which um, for me is a lot of really enjoying the game is playing something that nobody else is going to play. But when when people have access to the stuff way before you, it's like, okay, well, all that stuff's been explored, and now I'm just net decking in a sense, which net deck, if that's your thing, I, I net deck to this day. Yes. That's why people build decks for you to play because they want you to play and they want you to play something fun and they want to get their content out there. It's not a bad thing. But the brewer in me sometimes is disappointed with that in terms of how Pokemon does it with sets already being out or being played. Yeah, and and for me, it's like, I, I find building decks to be an outlet for creativity as well. Um, and it's it's like, I can do it, but I I know that I'm just going to do a worse job then like because i ha- i haven't tested like like at the in the best case scenario if i'm going to sit down and brew up a deck for a game that has like a a, a, a meta game that's ahead of uh, time traveled ahead of us like like the japanese one in this one if i'm going to if i'm going to sit down and try and build one of those decks in my best case scenario is i'm going to come up with a list that is like the iteration 1 deck of the of the list I could go find online, which then went through playing a bunch of tournaments and and talking to other people. And and so like, I'm going to, I'm going to come up with something where like, it's basically that same deck. It's just worse because I, I didn't include this one card and I had four copies of this one. I should only had two and like that kind of stuff, the stuff that you find as you iterate on a deck, playing it and, and talking to other people about it. And like, so then I, I just, it's hard for me to just go, well, you know what? I'm just going to build it anyway. Cause I can just go, well, instead I could spend five minutes, get the list and it's better and then I can move on with my day and do something more interesting <laughs> that where like the results can be more interesting to me to have, you know? And, and I agree. And, and a lot of that, um, at least on a local scale, um, it's nice to have that. And then you could be like, okay, I'm going to season it to taste based on my metagame. Yeah. Right. For sure. But at the same time, it kind of defeats the, some of the brewer creativity I think is taken away. Um, I still think there are plenty of content creators who come up to stuff with that. I won't think of. Yes. There are there are tons of better brewers, tons of better deck builders. But uh, even in my pea brain of deck building, I like to have you know some feeling like I'm doing something nobody has thought of or Fringe has thought of. Whereas people are like, oh, I've already put this out there for everybody to kind of take a part of. Yeah. Yep. For sure. I I I definitely agree with that. And and it it is does feel different to me than like any TCG. Like because you you could sit down and argue that like any TCG is like that because like. There's the people who are people who are try hard playing the game right away and putting out content immediately. So it's like I can sit down with the newest set of like my hero or something and I can go online like someone's already put up a deck profile for the new All Might or whatever. And and like I can just copy that. But it's like the, the difference is the time, the amount of time that that deck has been able to be played and iterated on and, and has like, you know, like when, when a new set's coming out for Pokemon, you can go online and, and find a website that's just like yeah, here, here are all the important cards you should watch for, and here are a bunch of deck lists for them, and then it ranks them. It's like, this is competitive. This is casual. This is casual. Like, because they just know already, you know? And it's like, you don't even have that illusion of that excitement of being like, this might be a good deck. It's just like, they just tell you right now, it's not going to be. And that that's the part that's deflating. Um, But the beauty of that, at least with Pokemon, you can play whatever 60-card pile you want on PCGO and still have a good time. Yes, that I that's truly true. do. Yeah, that's yeah. the beauty of that, at least. So those lists do serve a purpose. They are for you to load up at a local or jam with some friends or get on PCGO, and you could even have success on the ladder, you know, and do well on the ladder and get get all your unlocks or 
I don't know yet with the how it'll translate to the new ranking system with live, but it's yeah. still a lot of fun to go and play those casual decks. So don't let that dissuade you. But mm -hmm. it does, um, if you are a brewer or in that brewer's mindset, at least for me, and I know you kind of echoed that sentiment, it does kind of take the wind out of your sails on that. I, I will say that um, despite feeling that way, I still have played Pokemon this year online, and I have... I have enjoyed playing Pokemon that way. It's just like it cha it's changed how I interact with the game in particular, right? I just like, I don't get into it at, to the same level I do other TCGs because I don't have that, that part is kind of missing for me. Instead, I sit down, I just go, I look through when the new set's coming out, I look through like for Silver Tempest, I look through like, which of these cards look interesting? You know, Lugia's, Lugia's obviously looks good. It might be fun to play a good deck if I get the cards for it. Um, yeah, Reggie Drago's kind of cool. Like, oh, the superior thing's really weird. Like, I'm kind of curious about that one. And then I open my packs and I, whatever I had, I'm like, yeah, it looks like, um, I only got like one Lugia, so maybe I'll try building one of these other ones. And I, and you know, I then I just sat down. That's, that's how I engaged with it. It was a very different way than how I would engage with a new TCG where I would normally spend like two weeks prior to launch or more, just like every day being like, wake up in the morning, like, all right, let me come up with a new list. Let me try and mess around a little bit. And, and I, so I enjoy that part a little bit more. Um, and I'm missing that part, but it hasn't stopped me from engaging and enjoying myself playing Pokemon. Like it just changes how I do it. The ease of access, I think, is a lot better. If you want to just jump in, play some games, it's a lot easier to find any list for anything you're looking to play. Um, yeah, when it comes sure. to itching the brewer itch I th and, and building and brainstorming, I don't get that from this game personally. I know people that do, and I have people locally who really try to Frankenstein that stuff. But it's hard for me to come up with that urge when it's going to be 55 out of the same 60. Yeah, I, and I do wonder if there... I, mean, I don't wonder, really. I guess I'm sure there are players out there who... Um, do not care at all about the brewing thing. And um, for them, it's just like, uh, it doesn't, it should probably doesn't matter. They just want to engage with the game, play the game itself. Like they'll, and they're, and are probably just very happy that they can sit down before the set even comes out. This is a, this is a benefit, right? Like if you, if you're, if you're looking ahead to the Japanese metagame, you can look at whatever's coming in the next set, whatever people are saying is good. And you can go, okay, I'm going to need these cards from the current sets. And you just go pick everything up. As soon as the set releases, you grab the new cards and you're, you're ready to go. Your deck's already done. And I'm sure there are people who really enjoy that being an aspect of it too. Absolutely. Because those players, they're going to be about the ones that get a mastery with those cards versus building and really just want to dig into that deck, find the best way to play it, figure out the best way to play it up in a matchup and maybe are not the best at figuring out the exact 60 and, and need that kind of foot up. This is the, where I'm going to go with it. Jam a bunch of games with it. It's nice to have that ease of access, get those games in and then figure out if, Hey, this is for me, or maybe, you know, what, maybe I'll feel comfortable moving these cards around, but don't feel comfortable doing it initially and rather just jam some games and have have that blueprint for success going down the line versus the real brewers either a are at the very top of the game and have come up with some wild stuff or wild versions of decks or b are going to try to make those changes to either less success or maybe less excitement to themselves and others. yeah for sure so um yeah that's a little aside but that's silver tempest which is uh, lugia and some other cards um so Jason, with, with all these releases, how do we feel about the metagame throughout the year for Pokemon? How's it been? How's it right now? I honestly think it's fine. Um, I don't think that it wasn't as bad of a spot as it was at the beginning of the year. I think before we got RCS, I really was not enjoying myself. Um, it was a lot of fusion strike. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Or your 
Urshifu decks. And then for me, I was like, this isn't just... And Urshi, if I'm an aggro player, right, you think I would love just being like, boom, discard these two energy, 5 billion, two, or 122 of your guys, right? But for me, it just was like, it wasn't the right... It didn't scratch that itch of, like, really high impact. It felt more like a control deck and aggressive shell. Like, cool, I'm going to blow up your two guys on the bench, take four prizes. And they're your techie guys. They're like your uh, Dedenne or GXs and stuff like that, right? Um, then this year, we've kind of... By, by the point right now, I think... Um, I don't know if I would say it's in the healthiest spot, but I would say it's in, I feel like the metagame has been the most enjoyable for me personally and a lot of other players for how it's been in a long time. And, and, and I think for me that started at Lost Origins is when it really blossomed from just Arceus plus cards, the Mew decks, and then fringe other decks. Then now we have the Lost Zone variants. Now, even further down the line, we have the, uh, the crazy kind of standard control list and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of really cool decks out there. I think that at the more everyone finds out about the crown Zenith cards, which, you know, is the, the next set, um, there's going to be a lot of excitement around maybe some new stuff there. Still a little too early in the eight ball to tell, at least me personally, I haven't dug into a ton of the spoilers yet. I've seen the EX cards that are coming down the line. And, yes. you know, as we shift away, which, um, I, which, um, Again, is kind of uh, we'll we'll touch on that at the end when we talk yeah. about the future. But I think the meta is in a pretty okay place. I'll be very excited for rotation. Can't wait for a rotation. Why are you uh, excited we're due. for that? Well, why do you ask? Because I think <laughs> Drizzle with the um, uh, shady dealings, Drizzle needed to go a long time ago. That card is so egregiously, I think, overpushed. A stage one that gets you essentially any card out of your deck is wild. Now, it's not any card out of your deck, but items and supporters turn into almost any card in your deck. Yeah, they enable the so much. How about I play three Sobble turn one? All I need is just one way to get a drizzle. Now I have my whole bench set up, plus a card at the end to either set up for the next turn or further this turn. That was mind-boggling to me. I, and I don't I think, understand how they I think it was short-sighted because when that card first came out, not really many people were playing Drizzle or Intellion at all. Really? And it was even this card, like it was just it was just not played. It was a bulk rare. Now go that's... go look up, go like go on TCG player and see how much a drizzle is. Really? Yeah. I mean, not anymore. We we are starting to get the um I, I, I haven't looked in a while, but if I were to let's see, you know, it's interactive fun stuff. We're all learning together. Yeah, no, I, I was just typing into. <laughs> um, but you know what I'm like, or even not even how much it might be right now, but look at its price history, right? This is an uncommon card. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do I know how to whoa, spell it? It? Is, it was it was over uh, it was over a dollar three months ago. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean a dollar. Whoa. Yeah. Look at its past. Yeah. Hey, here we go. Here we go. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Peaked, it peaked at four dollars. For an uh, uncommon. Yeah. For in, an uncommon uh, a base set. Yeah. Of a base set to have a four dollar uncommon, it to to me shows you kind of how over that it, it isn't a marquee Pokemon. Look at this stupid thing. It's like a dumb chameleon. Like, who cares about this thing? It looks dumb. <laughs> it evolved like Inteleon's super cool. I mean, it's like it's dope, but it's middle evolutions are never really you know, that no. Great. They're they're always kind of um. Crazy. But like Drizzle was just kind of like extremely overpushed. I think if it was. A different card then into shady dealings in Teleon. I still think there's legs to it. It's just not as um, 
unfair. Working hard to a stage two Pokemon should be rewarded with an ability like Shady Dealings. Yeah, I think you that's should fair. be rewarded at a top end for stage two Pokemon because that's the core problem with the GX EX era of this game. It's hard to play stage two Pokemon in the trading card game. It it's just hard because yeah. your stage two payoffs need to be astronomical to put the risk of just building up to this thing to do thing. And for some reason, they don't want to give them, in my opinion, enough HP. It's like they've they've put they've pushed that number up from what I've seen in the they past. Have. They, they have. push it up, but it still is like, yeah, you're, they're still just getting knocked out so easily that it's like it's so hard to actually take advantage of their abilities. Sometimes, like they sometimes do have good abilities and stuff, but it's like, yeah, but they just like die, like they die immediately. And and the reason why I'm sure Inteleon is so good is because it's an, it's a it's a come into play ability. It's just like as soon as you play, you're like boom, you get you're getting that. paid off. And not only that. Drizzle being 90 hit points is also just it completely nuts because it's another it's a level ball target. So it's so yeah. consistent. You could just play it. I was playing you were you were playing Drizzle and you never even had a water attacker, right? You were just playing a Drizzle lot in Teleon line to eventually sometimes you play Drizzle just to evolve into the quick shooting in Teleon. Yeah. You know, and just start putting damage counters out. And then um it I think it attacked with two colors energy, the waterfall. So you it, it could attack. So I, I, that's my my biggest gripe with the metagame going into this year. With this year, I do think Drizzle's still very powerful, but I don't feel like it's like, oh, it's as game-altering, because now we have other engines that are also just equally as powerful. I do think Drizzle is still the most powerful of them all due to ease of access, but Comfy now is like, oh, well, this card is just, I put it on the table and it's now doing things. Can we talk about Scoop Up Net and like yeah, how it makes the, everything uh, a problem? <laughs> I thought if we had competitive play, that scoop up net would, net would have probably been banned. I truly think because scoop up net, your Sobble lines is the oh. easiest like first one. Like, oh, I guess I miss. I guess I'll just net this one in tutor anyway. And now I got it out of the active, <laughs> and I put my threat in the active, or I just saved it. Like it's just it's scoop up net. Well, that's another card that skyrocketed and for a long time i school i was selling piles of them <laughs> for several dollars each and when um and i feel a hallmark a lot of trading card games and even right now it's like a three dollar card granted rebel clash is an older set yeah. right but it, it's one of those things to me that you should not be your deck building pieces in the pokemon game should really be your v stars those should be where you're spending all your money things that should have an easy access need to have that easy access and cards like scoop up net so eventually they eventually we got the trainers uh the trainer school toolkits which by the way awesome product especially for newer players find your newest trainer toolkit now right now we're about to have a rotation don't get a trainer's toolkit right now or you're going to lose a lot of those cards and it's going to have value but we'll eventually get them again and um but but scoop up net jeez not no thank you yeah if, um there I, if i never see that card again it would be too soon yeah i i totally agree it's it's like if you if you name any engine it's it's like a part of it. It's like a part of what makes these, these decks work. And like, I guess you could make an argument that like, well, then you wouldn't have, you know, we were just saying RC is so good because it gives an engine to so many decks and stuff like, yeah. So then we don't like comfy engine is a lot worse. Uh, drizzle engine is a lot worse. Um, still, still really good, but worse. Um, the rocks engine is, is worse with, without that. The, uh, radiant Greninja is worse without that is like all those things. It like, it resets powers. It lets you, um, reuse comes into play things re-evolve to go to drizzle again you know like it's um it it does a lot but 
it just feels like it's this is this isn't the way, you know. <laughs> this isn't the way that this should be done. I like the magic parallels drawing cards to this game. I don't like time walking. I don't like that for this game. And that's what I feel like cards like Scoop of Net. It's like, oh, it's a mulligan within the game, right? Like I I guess I'll just try it again. Yeah. Um and I don't I'm not necessarily a fan of that gameplay style. Um I think it lends to sometimes lazy deck building. Um, when I'm like, oh, I guess I just get the net and try one more time, or I just do this. Um, and, and to touch on Arceus, Arceus has a higher level of punishment for playing Arceus and Arceus V-Star versus putting scoop-up nets for sure. my Drizzles on my deck. And I think that's the disparity between both of those cards, which is why I don't think people have a problem with Arceus versus having issues with cards like Drizzle and scoop-up net. The barrier of entry for both of those it's a little bit riskier to play an Arceus V-Style because I could just punch it like for, for two prizes with a lot of decks. And, you know, um, it wasn't hard to get that. Whereas you knock out a Drizzle, you took a prize. You're play- and, and now you're probably putting yourself into a seven-prize game, which I don't know how familiar you are with that expression of a seven-prize Pokemon game. I'm so, not actually. Okay, so seven-prize Pokemon game is, if you think about it, right, if we were playing a traditional game of Pokemon, I take a prize each time I knock out your Pokemon, right? Yep. Well, if I knock out a stage one Pokemon or stage two Pokemon, I still take a prize, but I'm still playing all these GX Pokemon. I'm making you take an extra prize because of my guys have two prizes versus one. So there ends up being your prize you took really didn't matter in the long run. It's just like, oh, right, right, right. Okay. You're kind, yeah, you're kind of just stretching the game out. It's like, that's, okay, that's you still have to do the that... same thing. I learned to do that math playing the games. Like, okay, wait, right now, like, I, I need to let them take out a single prize one. Just exactly. So that it's acceptable. I get another losses. turn. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and yeah. that's what stage ones do. They turn you into these seven prize games or acceptable losses games. And it, it it's, like, not as bad of an impact when you lose a single prize Pokemon versus losing a two-prizer. That's why people are going for your Crobats, your Dedenes, your Tapu Lele GXs. They are gimmick not gimmick because uh crobat actually out of all of those well and some tapu leles uh, um but crobat now there's crobat v max that people were playing mm-hmm. um in, in specific decks and especially like uh, we didn't talk about but like the wheezing decks with uh crobat and stuff like that there's a lot of other fringe decks we didn't talk about that have legs and we finally got a pokemon to bail out our setup cards like our crobats and stuff but you still get that up there with a boss or even a cheeky escape rope that's two free prizes whereas if you rope my sobble it's like if i got that drizzle or i have another sobble in play you you got me oh well i'm just gonna set it all back up yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna rod that back into my deck yeah exactly yeah, you know <laughs> and how'd you get the rod well i oh, got it off drizzle i just tutored <laughs> it if i needed it and even then it's like you probably didn't need to but yeah 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 it's um scoop of net should be like you should have to like take a prize your opponent should get a prize when you so <laughs> scoop up net is a non-issue <laughs> if cards like drizzle didn't exist yeah that's because that's it's it. innocuous right but we've had cards in the past and we have a card right now we have charon's care right it gets mm, a colorless yeah, sure. pokemon back to our hand back then we had az which was similar to that but i think it was only or we had acerola too you know way back when and these cards that kind of like got my pokemon back in my hand the thing that they all have in common is that they're all your supporter for the turn. Right. Scoop up net is not. It's a lot hard. It's like you look at Sharon's care, like, oh, this is insane. It says my Arceus. Well, what am I going to do after that? 
I better have a threat in play. I don't get to play my supporter this turn. Well, scoop up net means I just get to play my drizzle again and get that supporter. <laughs> and, and now I'm blowing you out. So yeah. um, that I think that's the problem with scoop up, scoop up net. If this card was a supporter, it would be it would need a little more text on it to be worthy of even yeah. playing. I think, yeah, in my true. opinion. Whereas at an item, that's nuts. And I think that's partially why they're making the item change coming up. Um, because I think items are actually extremely powerful. Um, yeah, I definitely want to talk about that in a little bit when we talk about looking forward to things. Um, I wanted to know, Jason, you know, so there's a good take on the metagame. I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that or if there's any other, like, newsworthy moments of the year that you want to talk to talk about in 2020. I mean, I, the only really thing I wanted to touch on, and I don't want to harp too onto it because it's negative, I do not really enjoy a lot of the cheating that came out this year with actual mm. play coming back. There was way too much garbage going on. Um, I was not in the room, so I did not see any of these things happen. Um, but the fact that so much has come out with people being, having poor integrity and playing their game or, um, just actually just blatantly cheating is disappointing, especially when we're finally coming back to having local and competitive gameplay again. It really puts a sour spot when I'm trying to teach new people. It's like, why? When I can go to a big tournament and this guy's been playing for a while, he's going to get away with doing XYZ. And I'm not saying anything from poor judging or anything. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who are just coming into um, play the game in a way that is either cheating or with poor integrity. And that was pretty disappointing part of the season and i don't want to invalidate a lot of people's accomplishments who did very well but it's definitely a part of the game this year that um i really really can't jive with and and it's really it's really hard to want to have people go play competitively when people who had reputable names went out cheated and were people that people respected that's a bummer uh, yeah, that's that's always a shame to hear about in any in TCG. It's I and mean, it's something that unfortunately just comes with the territory of competitive games. It's like you can't you can't escape it, whether it's TCGs sure. or video games or I mean, hell, like there's there's a gigantic like chess scandal that <laughs> happened a couple of years. ago. I don't think any people or Pokemon are doing what the kind of chess scandals are going on this year. And if they are, that is <laughs> too hot for TV. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. You know, it's in all aspects. It's just unfortunate that it had to be. I mean, Magic has had plenty of examples. You know, I'm going to explore. Who explores is my favorite. Yeah. You know, see, there we go. Yeah. Burton Cheney. Yeah, there you go. Burton <laughs> Cheney. You know, but it's it, it's it's or. <laughs> Blue stretch kick. On her oh, classic. <laughs> all right, Blue let's go retro, retro. <laughs> let's go. It all everything comes back home. But you're right. It, it's unfortunate, and um, I really wish that um, I'm hopefully going forward that a. I know we have great judges. I know a lot of really great judges and professors at a high level that um, are here for the integrity of the game. And I really hope these cheaters get weeded out, or we just um, few and far between. I really would like few and far between. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and that's. Fair. I, I can't devil's advocate you or anything here, so yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah, good job. Don't devil's advocate that one, and I, I won't name names. Yeah, but, That's not me. Yeah, but what if cheating was good, yeah, Jason? But what if <laughs> I did explore twice? <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay. Well, now, um, but other than that, um, it's been a pretty good year for the Pokemon competitive scene. Um, it was nice to have Worlds again. It was yeah. really nice. It, it felt like a celebration of anything. I had... Um, one of my um, locals was a professor who actually went and she worked at Worlds, went to London, had a great time. Um, and it was super cool to finally have that back. And it's nice to look forward to. I know I'm trying to judge many events this year so I can hopefully go next year as part of staff. 
Um, that's going to take a lot from me, but, um, it's really nice to have that competitive playback. And I think we took a really nice step forward. Oh, is my cat trying to get in there? Oh, there's Sabrina. We have a guest star (laughs) up. She's kind of in there. Oh yeah. (laughs) Maybe she knows right to the side there. Oh, there she is. Anyway, for, she for had our, to be um, YouTube viewers, yeah, audio viewers exactly. are like, what? we try to really, yeah, if you see this right now, there's, I could describe her. There's a very large cat grooming itself, but she's beautiful. So, um, we'll ignore that, but yeah, it's, it's really exciting to have, um, the competitive scene this year, how it's been and where it's going to go. And in terms of scale and events and what decks people are playing. Yeah. It, the big thing is we've said this in a lot of these podcasts, but this was the first kind of full year after we we started to come back to some amount of like lower risk in person events happening following the pandemic. So, um, so yeah, a, a lot of these podcasts have echoed this is like it's just great to be in person again, playing again, which is you know just it's what we've all wanted really. Yeah, that's that's what we've all wanted for a long time, and a lot of people have been playing locally safety safely. And if you were did that, more power to you. I know we did too. Um, and, and regardless of people's opinions, that's not what this is about. It's just nice to get back to what we all are about this game, the community getting in there, playing, whether it's online and especially in person, and um, really getting back to what uh, a lot of people are about with these games, getting in there competitively, these large-scale events being run safely, and um, really just getting back to the basics of it, getting into the swing of things, getting out there and slinging cardboard. You know, Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what life's about, man. That's where it's at. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about 2023 because the big exciting thing, of course, is we have Crown Zenith as the 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 crown jewel, the final set, the ultimate set in the Sword and Shield series, and then Scarlet and Violet. Then we're in Scarlet and Violet. We're gonna have motorcycles, Pokemon, and all sorts of super cool stuff. But one more time, we have to go through this Sword and Shield dog. We're getting our like 50th Zacian and Zamazenta, but I love those Pokemon. I think they're super. I do cool. too. I actually, I'm a I, big fan. I Big can't fan. believe, like, I started out with Sword and Shield just kind of thinking, like, yeah, whatever. You know, some more legendary order. Like, I legitimately, Zacian is my guy. I love, I yeah, love, he, he's, he's so overpowered. But, oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. In game, in game. In game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, well, I mean, Zacian, it's before you started to play, but Zacian V was crazy. Oh, yeah. That card is, oh, my God, dude. I mean, I've seen dra- it played a little yeah, bit. It's draw like- three cards, and a lot of, that's what a lot of older control decks would play. They just, sure. I'll end my turn and just draw three extra cards. Like, that's wild, wild, yeah. wild, 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 wild. Um, but it's nice. You know, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up in Grounds, uh, uh, Crown Zenith. You know, we're getting Mewtwo V-Star. That art on that Mewtwo V-Star is mm. insane. I don't know if you yeah, had a chance to look. So but, um, we're getting a Rotom V-Star. We have a lot of other really cool stuff. You know, we're getting more Radiant Pokemon. We're getting a Radiant Charger Bug. Somebody, somebody. <laughs> wait, wait, I didn't know that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, hold on, hold on. We've had Charger Bugs be insane in the past we had the charger bug that uh it would attach for two lightning energy it would turn into two lightning energy um it, i don't know what it is but it's just a, it's just a little charger bug we got radiant charger bug coming someone um, there just loves charger bug char- and you know more power to him he's a little bug guy look at he's this. cool looking he's i know i was already saying you see you're looking at it. yeah he's just a little bug um we're getting a bunch of really cool stuff um we have um, a really cool card um, in the new Thiebel that's coming out that um, looks at your prizes you have left. Um, and if, uh, or I'm sorry, if your opponent, if your opponent has two or few prizes left, um, they can't target your bench V Pokemon. Yeah, 
It's a basic Whoa. cool one. Yeah, it's super cool. So it says, if your opponent has two or three prize cards remaining, whenever your opponent plays a supporter card from their hand, prevent of that of that card's effects to your benched Pokemon V. That's, that's nuts. That's super sick. So that's we're getting nuts. All, so even and this is stuff we've seen spoiled. Like there's a if you want to take the time to go out there, you can find cards in the Japanese translations and stuff for Crown Zenith. It's right around the corner. It's it's a few weeks out actually for pre-releases. We're we're not that far off. Yeah. Um. So it's really exciting to look forward to that. It's nice to finally get out of the Sword and Shield block. Um. I think Sword and Shield was great for the game. We had a lot of really cool decks. I do think it's overstated. It's welcome. A lot of that is to do with, you know, the pandemic. Um, we had two set, two rotations affected by the pandemic where they were longer than they initially were supposed to be. Cause traditionally worlds happens. We have the rotation right after. So now we've had worlds and we're several months out of worlds. I think almost five or six months by the time we have our rotation. So on the second world. So it's one of those things where it's like, all right, I think, I think a lot of people are feeling the meta game, while good, is getting somewhat stale. That we're just adding cards to this pile of cards we've already had, and it'll be nice to finally just come in. I love the start of a new rotation as a player. It's a smaller set of cards. It opens up a lot of cooler strategies. Maybe the deck scopes are a little bit smaller, but you're playing cards you wouldn't probably traditionally play towards the end of a rotation. So it, it, it's nice for a kind of a, a, a breath of fresh air. So it's really exciting to look forward to. And obviously we have Scarlet and Violet coming up. And that's really exciting to finally go back to the lowercase EX, you know, where it's <laughs> EX in lowercase. Yeah. And um, I do not like, I don't know how many of the cards you've seen. I don't no, care for the Terrastalize ability. I don't, I think it's too mm. vanilla. That's what, uh, if they can't be targeted when they're on the bench, I think is Terrastalize. Um, let that's, me, that's all that's I, all I think that's all the ones we've seen so far. Um, let me Arcanine EX. I think let's see here real quick. Um Yep. So the terror terrestrialize ability, and this is not all the ones we've seen so far. As long as this Pokemon is oh I'm sorry, as long as this Pokemon is on your bench, prevent all damage done to this Pokemon by attacks, both yours and opponents. That's even less exciting than the exactly said. <laughs> and not only that the cards we've seen so far are very underwhelming but if all the cards are like that then that's okay if all the cards are kind of this oh they're not that great they're not that flashy well if they're all like that and that's what we have then in a vacuum they're fine we're just doing like a power reset yeah sort of. but at the same time it is kind of disappointing to see like um the motorcycles not be super great they're okay um, but it's cool to go back to something that's old as new. So the big thing about EXs is you have to evolve them traditionally. Yeah. You don't get to go, I'm going to play my V into my V star or just play my GX. No, now I play a stage one of card named Growlithe and evolve into either Arcanine or Arcanine EX. So that's going to be really cool. Um, and it's always exciting to go into the new block of games. Um, uh, Scarlet and Violet, whether people care about the performance issues or not has been generally regarded as a really nice reset for Pokemon. Um, they've expanded awesome. I beat it. I personally enjoyed my time with the game. I had a ton of fun with it. Same. Um, I had a blast. Did it perform the best at times? Absolutely not. No, I think <laughs> I want to say, go it's on the water. yeah, don't, don't go on the water. Oh man. Don't clip through the earth. I mean, there's a lot you could do. <laughs> um, but it has generally been accepted as a really good game with a lot of really cool designs. And Terrasilize, I thought, would be really cool, more implemented within the game. Now, if I think 
Terrasalize eventually goes into the place where it like gives it a different type. Like Delta species, that's what I'm talking about. That's yeah. what I want. That's what that is what I think everybody was thinking, and actually, then we didn't get that. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna fuel the fire of speculation here. This uh, which I'm sure people have talked about too, but I'm just I'm looking at this Arcanine that you that you showed me. So it's is a terrestrialized Arcanine, but it's very clearly terrestrialized to the fire type here, based on the artwork, right? So. There is all the room in the world. The setup's right 100%. there for them to just go. Okay, now here, here, here is your Arcanine that's terrestrialized to dark type, and then it's a Delta species like. And them. if they do that, they're gonna have a ton- because one of my favorite sets to open were back in the e- uh, the um, the evolution block days and stuff. Where we had the dual type Pokemon like Volcanion and stuff like that. That's so cool. You, like one of my favorite decks had Galvantula as an attacker. He was it, it yeah. was jank. It was garbage, um, but it was fun. Um, you know, Galgavantula is still one of the best, like probably top 10. If we had a yeah. whole episode, on it, it's easy top 10, Mike cracking the top five Pokemon in general. We're going to do that. Actually, you know oh, what? That's a great idea. Let's do it. We're going to do a Patreon, Patreon exclusive episode sometime and grab you and a couple others. We're going to do top 10 Pokemon just for fun. Oh, no, because it's going to be a bloodbath. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if they hit that design space, they've got a lot of cool stuff they could do, and it'll be very, very exciting. And, and I really hope that they do that. But we haven't seen enough yet. We're still yeah. a ways out. We still have some time, so the time fact is too with with all of these series, the way it always works is that the first few sets they are just exploring the vanilla concepts. Um, you know, Sword and Shield just exploring V's, and and then the addition of V Max and V Star is a big change up later, uh-huh. um, where they just they just halfway kind of through the cycle they refresh things a little bit by like here's a here's a new twist on the mechanics. So I'm sure they're just you know they're 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 not wanting to put a whole like make it a completely different game right away with all these things they're just going to start by showing off here's exes and here's a very vanilla terrestrialized but i bet we'll see different stuff down the line absolutely and um if they don't do justice by tinkaton as a card Mm. um they're gonna have problems tinkaton needs an attack that says if the your opponent's active pokemon is a corviknight their deck gets thrown in the trash oh yeah you know the whole weevil throwing the boat the the exodia off the boat the whole nine yards with that (laughs) take you get a sling no um but yeah there's so many cool pokemon from scarlet and violet in terms of oh this is really cool that they did that and terrestrialize being such a cool and generally well regarded we haven't had a lot of competitive vcg yet which i'm really excited to see this is Mm -hmm. the first time where i've actually in a long time been really excited to build vgc teams with some of my friends and stuff like that and play um I want them to knock it out of the park in terms of uh, terrestrializing because they did a very good job with Mega Evolutions. Yes, were they clunky to play at times? Absolutely. But Mega Evolutions, I loved them. Mega Scizor, Mega Gardevoir, Mega Rayquaza. Those all had great trading cards. Absolutely fantastic trading cards. Even Mega Alakazam. Mega Venusaur was fine. You know, um, <laughs> classic. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, if you remember Dylan from Pansy, you know, playing Super from Florida, um, Warren. Mm. He, yep, sure. the big, big, big Venusaur guy, played a lot of that. Him and Rory played a lot of Venusaur. <laughs> nice. um, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's nice to have a nice fret, uh, a, a fresh mold for the clay. And and I think the biggest issue now is we haven't had rotation in so long. We feel like we've been doing the same thing for a long time. So I'm I'm very excited and hopeful. Even the cards shown so far have been kind of lackluster. That's okay. It's a base set for building blocks, kind of like what you said. And I think Pokemon does an excellent job of taking a mechanic and by the end of its run, really taking what threads they can pull with it and pull them. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that too. Definitely. Yeah. 
Um, you mentioned some rules changes. You want to go over those? So, yeah. So I don't want to speak out of turn. So let me exactly paraphrase it That's so that no one is surprised here about exactly what's going to happen. But um, where is it? I have it saved on my desktop. Ooh, a boomer, uh, boomer move. I like it. I'm old, man. I'm like <laughs> 500 years. Shut up, Internet. Okay. So let's see where it's here. So um, basically, items now are going to become, instead of item cards, they're not trainer cards. Um, so what that's going to do is it's going to limit your opponent being able to just search their, um, kind of like their cards. Um, it's going to limit their scope of tutoring for cards and playing cards, which is really nice. Um, the big thing about it, it and in my opinion still that's kind of a gray area is that does it really help in the long grand scheme of things like is it really like a great rule change we don't know but the big difference is is tool cards are still going to be tools it's the item cards are now going to or i'm sorry tool or item card or um tool cards are still going to be tools it's the item cards are getting folded into trainers so um i see i'm i'm confused i thought items were trainer cards they, they are so like again let me i had it saved somewhere again i'm old come on okay so yeah so when it said a card says search for trainers this is what i meant to say it lets you get tools when a card says search for items it's not going to let you get a tool that's the change that's not gonna so, a tool specifically yeah so like cards like scoop up net will still be an item Right. Cards like Leafy Camouflage will be a tool, but not an item anymore. They will now be a uh, trainer card instead. Oh, okay, so the changes to tool cards, not item Correct, cards. yeah, sorry. I, I knew I had it backwards. That's why I had to pull it up exactly, because, again, a brain rot. Put you on the spot in the podcast. So, the, you know, in my experience, that's the best time to lie to everyone. And I something. thought I wrote, yeah, I was like, yeah, and they're going to let us draw eight cards a turn. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. And yeah, isn't that really cool? We already well, get wait, to do it. We already can do it. Yeah, we already can do <laughs> it. It doesn't matter. But you know, what it's going to do, um, again, I, I think it's going to be cool for, you know, it's going to restrict some of the tutoring ability, which is great. You know, because again, tools are good. But I think items are just way more egregious in general. They're they're crazy. Like item cards can be just, the, the scope of item cards is nuts. So it's nice they're like limiting the scope of things you can grab. But I, I don't know in the long term how effective that is of a rule change. Yet yeah, again, it's in the infancy. We don't even know, or we haven't even started messing with it locally. When we did the um, supporter turn one change, uh, we did it for about a month before it went live. We just oh, did really? it. And just to kind of, you know, at locals, I would be like, and especially when things weren't like we weren't doing pre-releases and stuff anymore, I'd be like, you guys can just, you know, proxy up the new set, you know, just, just so we can get some games in. Because, A, product was really hard to get during the pandemic at points product was nuts to get. So um, it was nice to kind of do that. And we're going to probably implement it a little early and see how it goes. I think it's a time will tell kind of thing, but overall it's probably a healthy change. But again, in, in, in my nuance, I think it's a time will tell kind of thing versus a, Oh my gosh, that's game breaking. I, I don't think so. I think it's probably fine. Yeah. It seems like, it seems like a, I agree, a nuanced minor, but probably a, an important change. Like, I think most important just for like making sure the design space is clear to have things do the things they want them to without doing the things they don't want them to. Basically. Yeah. Um, your cards, like your ear does do get worse. 
Sure. But it's still an insane card, but it does get worse. You know, so cards that are like catch-alls like that, those are going to definitely be effective. But I think cards that, or if you want to get a tool, you're still going to play the cards to get a tool and find a way to get it. And it's not really going to be like a low-impact change. Um, I do think your cards that casually allow you to walk into them will definitely not be as played. You won't have that kind of level of comfort. You're going to have to work a little harder to get specific tools, but I don't think that it's going to be a huge barrier of entry. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then, of course, the most important change in Scarlet and Violet. What's the most important change in Scarlet and Violet? We get to draw eight cards? No, that's not a, that's not a thing that's happening. Oh. <laughs> the, the borders are... Well, yeah, duh. Oh my, don't even get me started on the borders. I about had a heart attack. I lost it because for the longest time, if you look at the foiling and we're getting their foiling, did you see the new foils for Scarlet and Violet yet? Uh, no, I didn't see that. Mm. Uh, if you look at the Quaxley and stuff, it's kind of the flat foil that they do on their energies and stuff like that overseas. And it looks fantastic. Like it looks so good. Like, uh, awesome. let me see. Yeah, it, it looks so good. So that silver border aesthetically is going to be great. Is it going to be a shock? Absolutely. Unfortunately, you're still not going to be able to use your favorite uh, foreign art cards because we still have the, not as cool Pokemon back. I see but the foils. It, I love them. I love. Oh my god! Are you, yeah. That's how the uh, that's how the foil is going to look for the normal foil pack. That looks so nice. Yeah. And with the silver, it's going to look super good aesthetically. It's the most important change in the history of trading card games. You hear yes, heard it 100%. here last because everybody's been talking about. It. I think there has <laughs> been nobody who's been like, I think that looks dumb. I'm like, well, I think you're wrong. And I think we're allowed to have opinions, but that one, I think there isn't one. It's you're either with the right side of history or you're with the yellow bordered cards. And I'm sorry, that's if that's you, well, tune into the next episode where I won't be talking about that. Uh, I maybe, talk, maybe uh, I, I, I'm going to reveal a little bit behind the curtain. I've already recorded the next episode and I do talk about it. Okay, well, <laughs> still tune in, but maybe timestamp it. Like, don't watch this part, Pokemon yellow border likers wanters um yeah if uh if you guys are hearing this right now you understand that main deck has a hard line stance at main deck officially yellow borders are bad silver borders are great that's what it is that's that's it the buck stops there Uh, i i please unsubscribe if you don't like that yeah i'm a patron (laughs) to main deck because of that hard things like that hard line stance on that and you know um it, it's just a reason why i support main deck honestly that's it yeah it yeah, makes sense, it makes sense. It, so, it does, so it if you agree with me you need to go to the patron and support main deck also. absolutely definitely definitely if you agree yeah um i i you you have to you're kind share of if you agree. Share, share if you agree. agree yeah share if you agree absolutely <laughs> all right jason well do you have it do you have any last parting shots about 2022 or looking forward to scarlet and violet no, I think I covered everything. Um, really, most importantly, is if you took the time to listen to all of this, and you're not as familiar with Pokemon, and you know main deck content from other games, and Bron, shout out to you. I hope this was a fun conversation, and I hope it got you interested in Pokemon. And if you're a seasoned Pokemon player, or somebody who's played competitively, and have never seen a drop of content, you're kind of hearing a perspective from two people who may not be as entrenched into the deep part of the metagame, but two people who really enjoy Pokemon and what the game does and uh, what the, you know, just everything kind of with it. So um, I'm hoping that you take what we said. Don't judge us too harshly. Don't judge me too harshly on my stances. Um, and, And really just take the content for what it was. And I hope you enjoyed your time listening to it and continue to enjoy the game and grow your communities. 
I, yep, absolutely agree. Couldn't have said it better. Um, we were just a couple of guys putting our opinions out there, and that's that's just how the internet be today. That so. is the internet <laughs> distilled. We are the internet. That could be your new slogan for the whole thing. Main deck. Main deck. We, we are the internet. the internet. Yeah, I like I'm sure it. that won't cause any issues anywhere. <laughs> All right, Jason. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I've been meaning to get you on, like I said, um, and I do hope it was an interesting conversation. So if you guys are out there, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening to so much blathering on and repeating the same things over and over again <laughs> about, about Pokemon and, and what little we know about things, but go ahead and let us know in the comments below if you did, if you made it this far and if you, uh, if you enjoyed the conversation and if you want to see Jason do some more stuff, actually, you're going to hold his fate in your hands. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm, a surprise, I'm, by the way, this was actually a, a, a full on like trial for you. Oh, well, I would have definitely dressed for the occasion a little more. I have the shirts I bought from your wonderful shirts you put out, the really oh, cool designs, the, the play to win shirt. Games? Yeah. Wow. Really? You know, I would have, I would have worn that, but that means I would have had to secret. If you, if you're watching the video, you see that I'm in my bedroom and it's kind of uh boxes and stuff. I've had this Ikea dresser behind me for like eight months. No one's come <laughs> over to help you build it, but I'm in I'm the on process. Oh uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of uh, remodeling and stuff, my house and, um, I just think that being invited on to do this with everything I'm going on um, in my personal life with the wonderful world of retail and um, just everything I have going on, it was a really fun opportunity to have a, a, a time to talk with a really good friend of mine about just nerd stuff that we really enjoy. And um, just it, it, it's really nice to be able to share that on a medium that people may enjoy it and may take the time to listen to and take some good stuff away from it. And don't be too harsh on us if we got things wrong, but let us know if we got something wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm not infallible to your face. Behind your back, I can't do anything wrong. <laughs> uh, yep, exactly. Exactly, Jason. And I feel that way as well about myself. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for listening tonight. A quick shout out again to our patrons. Thank you guys for supporting everything we do here. You make everything we do possible because we take a lot of time to record these podcasts sometimes. And so your your financial support really helps uh, make this work out for, uh, for everything and, and buying equipment and all the kind of things we need to do. So um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. You will be able to catch us. Actually, if you're listening to this on release, which that's really impressive. Tomorrow we're releasing the final episode of the year, the New Year's Eve episode, where we are going to be going uh, over. It's, it's actually the return of the four person main deck podcast. Podcasts, myself, Mike Piper, Kevin Kerrigan, and, um, and, uh, wow, I just like totally, totally blanked on Jordan Cyberson. <laughs> sorry. It's getting late for me, guys. I'm sorry about that. Um, for you. Okay. He's not going to listen to that part. Um, so you can catch all that. It's actually, like I said, but pulling the curtain back a little bit, we did it. It's, I think it's my favorite podcast we've ever done. It is super, super fun to listen to. I, I, at least it was super fun to chat with. So hopefully you guys have fun listening to it also. Um, and we're going to talk all about 2023 and the many, many games we are very excited about in 2023. So I hope you come on back for that one. And then we will see you guys after that in the new year, 2023, releasing some more, not as many podcasts at once. This was a December thing. Okay. This isn't, this is a regular thing. Please don't expect nine podcasts a month going forward. <laughs> I can't do it. It's not possible, but I will be more regular if possible. We have a, a wonderful bunch of co-hosts here. And I, I think we have some great ideas for new podcasts coming up where some of our guests can swing on back. We can talk to Jason again about some more stuff in the future too. So Thank you guys so much for listening. You have a wonderful night, and we'll see you guys in the next episode of the Main Deck Podcast. <laughs>